twitch. Yep. Um, because chickens, um, like chicken breasts, since chickens don't fly, they don't use that muscle. Right. And so when a muscle is completely disused, it all the fibers become glycolytic. Mm. Right. Why are they so lean? Because <laughs> uh, you don't store fat really in glycolytic tissue like that. Uh. Whereas like uh, red, so red um, fibers can do oxidative phosphorylation. They can do, um, they can metabolize beta fats oxidation. for energy, yeah, mm. beta oxidation, um, and use the Krebs cycle. Whereas, right. so glycolytic, when you're only burning glucose, when fibers are only glycolytic, they're only using the glycolysis method of getting energy. Um, so Sounds red fibers, nerdy. red fibers get oxygen, can metabolize fats, mm -hmm. and so the the muscle mm. starts to store fat intramuscularly, and that's why it gives it. Well, mm. the the hemoglobin is what gives it the red color. Right. Uh, but we're, actually, the the processing of the meat when yeah, they inject he's it. He's kind of a nerd, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing real good. You've, you've now spoken 100% of the whole Shit. time. Did we yep. already start? Yep, oh yep. we started. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> That's how it goes. He says he's not going to talk, and then... I didn't know we started! It's got, I'll just walk out. We're <laughs> just going to do round two with him only, right, right? I'm just going to stick this in my mouth, and I'll shut up and let Mark so, start. That's what she said. <laughs> hey, there we go. You've learned well, my son. Mm -hmm. I only had to spend one day with him to start learning. So we're here with... Uh, Lane Norton's entourage. We got Andres. Uh, what's the last name? Sorry, I don't know the last name. Vargas. Vargas. And we have Holly Baxter. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm, you did. I'm doing pretty good so far. <laughs> two for two. And uh, Andres is a um, is Lane's powerlifting coach. Mm -hmm. Correct. You're the guy that makes him do all these crazy-ass workouts, right? That's true. Or at least he used to do crazy-ass workouts. I yeah, think well, that, he's recovering right now. So, right? so that was actually a different coach. That was my coach, Ben Escrow. Mm. I'm oh, right. I'm talking so I don't... But, um, so Andres is actually somebody I hired and I, I love Ben. Ben was an awesome programmer. Uh, I set a squat world record with Ben. Yeah. But, um, you know, I found that that, you know, kind of training was just beating me up too much. Right. And so I kind of wanted a fresh perspective. So Andres, you know, we got back up to within 13 pounds of my best squat, mm -hmm. doing much, much, much less squatting than I did previously. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sure you... Yeah, I think uh, I remember you saying when you were looking for a new coach, you're like, when was I at my best? This is right when I was fresh, just coming out of PhD. You know, you were on the ball, on the game. And I think kind of Andres ticked a few of the boxes for you. So. Yeah, what I liked about him was, um, you know, uh, you know, for me, obviously, somebody who has an educational background is important because I value yeah. that. But also I wanted somebody who had practical application of competing themselves and coaching clients. And I thought about like when was like Holly said when was I at my best? Well, it was when I was had just finished grad school, so I could totally focus on coaching, and I was competing myself. I had clients who were competing, and I was just totally immersed in that. Yeah, and you all got that all this knowledge, all that knowledge mm. was still mm. real fresh. So I was like him, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, very happy. Well, that probably helped guy. that uh, you were on my thesis committee too, so we had some interaction <laughs> uh, with yeah. that. But I appreciate that, and uh, I mean. You know, he's rehabbing right now, uh, but I'm really excited for where he's going to go with his training. Mm. Um, cool story with us, too, because it's kind of full circle. He came to a camp I did in 2014 yeah. after I'd won Raw Nationals, and he was learning from myself. Was it terrible? Uh, yeah, it was awful. I, I got nothing out of it. <laughs> I imagine. Um, no, it was great. Uh, he, he actually suggested I go to Florida, to USF. To work with uh, Dr. Bill Campbell, and that's what I ended up doing. And he then ruined your life. Well, that's what you're trying to tell me. If, if you want to put it that way, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Message. Yeah. How was it training in super training today? You have a good I time? loved it. Yeah, I love the facility. It's great. You guys have more equipment there than I've ever even seen in my life, and awesome. uh, I was able to hit a heavy box squat today. 
There you go. Yeah. Holly, you're getting ready for a powerlifting meet. It's yes. tomorrow. It is tomorrow. I'm very nervous, but very excited. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lane, you're going to have to give her a rub down before and after. Mm. If she'll let me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is my first powerlifting meet. Um, I can't say I ever imagined I would do powerlifting. Like, this is probably four, going back four years ago. I had not even, I wasn't really lifting weights, period. Oh, wow. I was Energizer Bunny, track athlete background, and... Doing a lot of like hit high intensity functional workouts, I guess. Hmm. Um, so, have yeah. you always been in pretty good shape? Oh, I've, I guess I've tried to, but it's a, requir right? a requirement as the sport. You know, you want to have um, maximal power output ratio, so you don't want to be carrying too much excess body fat. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I I'm learning that powerlifting is a very uh, refined art, and the skill uh, certainly takes a lot of uh, mental, um, you know, uh, integrity and focus as, as, uh, the physical side of things. So you yeah. can have a lot higher body fat. That's the blessing of yeah, powerlifting. It really is. It and you can just like rest in between sets I and know, stuff. You can I, sit down or lay down or fart or do whatever I, I, you want. <laughs> I used to say the line, like I'd go and train. This is like, um, I was doing a body, a bodybuilding show when we, when I first came over to the USA and, I'm running around doing all my sets and I, I come over to Lane and it's been an hour. And I'm like, babe, you, you're done? Are you finished yet? And he's like, oh, I'm just doing my first working set of squats. I'm like, it's been an hour. Are you serious? I've just done like all my exercise. I'm nearly done. <laughs> I had to poop like five times so, in between there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Lord of Yeah. What is the deal the with the poop? Does that scare you? The amount of times this guy it's, poops? I, I don't know where it comes from, but you eat so much. It's bundle. Right? <laughs> it comes from his ass. Trick question. It comes from his ass. It's pretty simple. I've never met someone that can eat so much food before they exercise, honestly. I, I'm i someone that prefers to train probably on an empty stomach if I had to mm. make a choice, empty yeah. or full. Um, yeah, I, I know where it comes from. <laughs> I, I, I like That volume. I like having... Being fully fueled before I go in. Mm. But yeah, it's just for squats. When I start squatting, you guys were here the first time I was super training. Everybody's like, yeah. why does Lane keep leaving the gym and going to the bathroom? Well, we were trying to record a workout and we're like, what are <laughs> this guy's disappearing in the toilet. Yeah, this is our main subject. This is our feature. We're trying to. Didn't want to pull Ed Cohn. You know, yeah, I've yet to yo. shit myself while squatting. So, <laughs> oh, awesome. I don't know. I may well, put a lot, but at least I don't have that level of embarrassment <laughs> on me. So, are you doing her programming? I am. Yeah. So, I'm coaching her into this meet. And so, uh, I think when I, like she was saying earlier, when I first sh showed her her program, she probably thought, what the hell? Mm. This is going to be easy. Mm. I was like, and, I've got uh, four exercises she for this whole workout hot day. <laughs> she learned in short order what it takes to uh, lift heavy weights and uh, the kind of toll it takes. So, What do you do with someone who, I mean, she's obviously not a stranger to fitness and a stranger right. to lifting, but like, what do you do with somebody that's new? Well, I transition them a little bit. I mean, you know, I think for her, she likes to keep a little bit of bodybuilding, um, you know, in her routine, which I have no problem with. And actually, I think it's very beneficial for powerlifters up to a certain point until you're going to start peaking. I love the bodybuilding stuff. Getting the pump. Chasing that pump. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, you know. I'm not even a closet bodybuilder. I'm out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> When I, when I first started, when we first started working together, you know, I kind of took into consideration what her previous training was like and asked her what kind of exercises she likes and what she doesn't like and, um, you know, put in the, the powerlifting movements, but also kept some accessory work. I even would give her some days where she could just do whatever she wanted in a bodybuilding accessory day. Mm -hmm. But of course, the last couple of blocks, it's been a lot more specific to powerlifting. And so I think she mentioned... Earlier, she uh, feels like she hasn't done any accessory work in months. Yeah, I was like, look at my atrophy body. Yeah, she feels uh -huh. atrophied, <laughs> although she's still are you very... Trying to, 
are you trying to teach her as she's going through, or is it more like uh, you just kind of give her the workouts and she's just kind of following? Uh, yeah. So what I like to do is I kind of like to see where each of my athletes kind of responds with what I give them up front and then kind of learn, we kind of learn each other. Right. So, um, you know, it's, I try to do my best to assess people up front. You know, it's a little hard not to, when you're not in person, um, yeah. you know, when you're doing remote coaching, there's a little bit lost in yeah, translation. Well, we're, we're down in Florida here in Phoenix. Yeah. I'm in Phoenix. It's a little and, different. You know, and I, of course, you know, I, I meet with them sometimes I'll go to Florida or, or mm -hmm. whatever, but, um, you know, I kind of let the user, so to speak, inform, give me the data so that I can make better decisions. Um, and so, you know, I think Lane knows that I'm a, I'm a, I'm big on data. I try to get a lot of data from my clients and yeah, you need a lot of feedback, right? So try to get he, a lot he of feedback. more metrics than anybody. Yeah. I, that was with. the first thing I really noticed with Andres, um, was the amount of information that he collects as far as your recovery, your sleep. Uh, your mental health as well, which m really does like have mm -hmm. a huge uh, impact and can vary your training so significantly, I think. So, right. um, yeah, I was, I was very interested in that. So, How are you uh, collecting that data? Just uh, text messages or is there no, a program so, or something? Uh, I do all of my programming through Excel, well, specifically Google Sheets. Um, and Nerd so, alert. Right. <laughs> uh, well, we can go down a rabbit hole with that stuff, but that's a different <laughs> podcast, I think. Um, yes. So, you know, I kind of create a, a recovery sheet for each client and a training sheet. So I deliver my program through the training sheet and then I have them fill out a recovery sheet. Um, and there's a bunch of calculations that go in. I try to make it as easy as possible where they just input a number and then the calculations happen behind the scenes. Um, and I have some metrics and some thresholds that I use to look at uh, whether they're doing well with recovery, whether they're in the red zone. You know, if, if they're in the red zone, we try to back off a little bit. I try to have a deeper conversation as to why, you know, sometimes it's stuff outside of the gym. It's not just because they're training hard. Sometimes, you know, stress, um, stress is, is happening for one reason or another, or their nutrition is on, isn't on point like it should be or something like that. Um, I feel like the lane uh, vegetable con conversation yeah. needs to be brought back into this. <laughs> yeah. The lane vegetable conversation. Yeah, I, I do very well on Greek yogurt and popcorn before a mm. workout. So, you know, you just take your comments and stick them where the vegetables yeah. go. How about that? That's right. <laughs> but no, I mean, you, you don't think about how, uh, like I used to think I was invincible and I, I should just be able to train the same way, regardless of where I was, how much traveling I had done, you know, that sort of thing. And, and I think when I was younger, I was a little bit more resilient, but as you get older, you find that like yeah. consistency and like replication is really important, right? And, and, like setting yourself up for, uh, prioritizing training. And one of the things I realized, like next time I compete, I I'm not doing travel in eight weeks mm. from, from me. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm not going to try and have to do it. And right. I think that's one of the things I, like I look back at my career in powerlifting and think about, well, how much better could I have done if I wasn't trying to do manage everything right? and had really focused a little bit more and not done so much traveling and whatnot. Holly, did you change your diet at all for powerlifting? Are you like eating more or are you just kind of eating the same? Or? Uh, it wasn't intentionally, but I actually have. Um, so when I first did my, uh, the first training block with powerlifting as the focus, I was just coming off uh, the end of a contest prep diet. 
Um, so my calories were incredibly low. Um, so I actually did the first two or three training blocks, I think, um, on pretty restricted intakes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say like around 25 kilocalories per kilo lean body mass. It was not fun. Um, so that translates to about 1400 calories for her. Yeah. So very, wow. quite, quite low. Um, but I still managed to see some pretty good strength improvements, um, even during that block. So, um, during this reverse diet that I'm, um, currently pursuing and really chasing the tail ready for another show at the end of the year. Um, yeah, it's, I feel so much better. Like, uh, I just feel alive when I'm in the gym now, which yeah. is great. <laughs> um, and yeah, for my next powerlifting meet, it would be great to see what, what I can actually bring on, you know, a good solid three or four months of good intakes. And, you have a gluten allergy? Yeah, I have celiac disease, so um, what is that? What the hell is celiac disease? Well, basically, does that it, mean that she's weird? Yeah, I'm really weird. Well, I'm, the most, weird. I'm the annoying she... person in the restaurant that asks, like, "Oh, can I not have this? Can I have this? It's so gay." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Careful, somebody's I'm, I, I'm de- I've definitely had my meal spit in a few times. I swear. Um, no, basically, what happens is it is an autoimmune um, response where your body um, tries to uh, attack itself. So. You, when you digest foods that contain gluten, um, it's a protein gliadin, uh, which your body basically does not uh, digest correctly. So in response to that, the uh, the villi, which are tiny little spores, I guess, on your um, intestinal lining, uh, they atrophy and they become um, less receptive to the micronutrients that we take in from food. So uh, usually one of the common um, presenting features of somebody that has celiacs is that they become really malnourished. They lose weight. Mm. Uh, that's pretty common, to be honest. But I guess um, with the amount of food going around these days and that everybody seems to be obese, it's actually less prevalent like it used to be. Right. That was how people <clears throat> would be um you know, diagnosed was, oh, hey, I'm losing weight. I can't gain weight. What's wrong with me? Oh, hey, you have this gluten intolerance. But, um, yeah, so basically it is avoiding all foods containing gluten. Um, it's a, not something that is, at the moment, you cannot change it. It's gluten-free for life. But it's not it, a gluten intolerance, correct? No, no, it is a, it's an actual, um, what's Allergy? No, it's not an allergy. Uh-oh. It is, I, I'm thinking. Just a clinical condition. Yeah, you just cannot eat disease. it anymore. Mm-hmm. Gluten disease? Yeah, it's a gluten <laughs> disease, yeah. Mm, so that's real fun. <laughs> didn't know I had it for a while. Yeah, so uh, you didn't know you had it. W- were there any adverse, like, were there adverse effects that you, you were wondering about? Or did you yeah, get some sort well, of test? Like, how did you discover that you had it? It's interesting because a lot of the work I do as a dietitian um, was with gastroenterology, a lot of GI disorders um, and in food intolerances, you know, but more commonly I would be working with things like Crohn's, um, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and a lot of the, um, trigger foods or things that people have these intolerances to, um, I just assumed that that's what I had. I was getting some symptoms, but I was like, oh Jesus, this is starting to get real annoying. And they are typically like, uh, distended guts, um, uh, pain, like lots of discomfort when you eat. And I went and had a few of those tests as a, a hydrogen breath test that you can have, which, um, helps you indicate whether you have like a lactose intolerance. Basically they give you the equivalent of, um, drinking a liter of milk for the lactose wow. intolerance test. And, oh yeah, it's not pleasant, but I, I wasn't. What a horrible yeah, test. I know. <laughs> it's like when you drink a milkshake. You've got to collect your funny. farts to see uh, how intolerant <laughs> you really are. Like, oh, fart. these are they're, bad. They're collecting your farts. <laughs> no, well, the thing is, if, the, your, if that hydrogen is showing up in your breath, that's how it's done. Yeah, because obviously mm. if you're thinking about I the got processes, something in my breath. I got a terrible breath. <laughs> no, that's not hydrogen. It's just shit. Yeah, I just poop. <laughs> 
Yeah, but basically the micro uh, the microflora in your um, your bowel actually use this and ferment that, and then it actually crosses back over the intestinal lumen, and then it gets back into circulation. You mm. breathe it out. So if you're intolerant mm. to some of these um, chemicals in foods, that's how they they determine it. So I had some of those. Just thought that that was what it was, and then. Uh, went and had an actual gastroscope, and they take some some of your stomach, snip it out, put it under a microscope, and bam. You told me the process for uh, like the the diagnosing celiac is actually pretty brutal too, right? Like you had to go off gluten, and then like didn't you have to? They you made have to you do eat a it. Glucose challenge. So I had been like unknowingly like avoiding those foods because I didn't want the symptoms, and that's why I felt better. I was like avoiding gluten, but then when you actually have to go in for a test and a lot of people will get positive, um, sorry, false negatives because they haven't been eating, eating anything. So that actually gives the stomach time to repair um, and the villi in the stomach actually start to kind of form little fingers again. So if you actually want to- It like eat, won't show up. It right? won't show up. So you yeah. get a false negative. Um, so you have to actually do like a six-week glu- uh, gluten challenge where you're eating equivalent to like I six, like this. six mm. slices Sign of bread every day for six weeks and Ugh. you feel beautiful. So uh, yeah, that wasn't a fun time. Gluten challenge. Andrew likes French fries. So you could do a French fry challenge. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's gluten-free no, though, right? No gluten yeah, with that's with the right gluten. oils. Yeah. I was just thinking about how miserable you must have been because I know like if she has like, there's a couple of t- like we talked about a little bit on the last episode, how you don't have an off switch with food, but like, if there's just like, she won't even think okay. about it. Sometimes there's a box of crackers out. She just grab one, put it in her mouth. And there's been Oof. times where I'll be like, spit it out. Cause I know it has I just like the small kid. It's like, but if she just has it, if she, <laughs> if she just, we got to show the video on how to stop overeating. Um, if you, you're just not, you're just like, don't think about it. You just, grab. no, I just, yeah. I'm in my, in my own head sometimes. So, yeah. but if she even has like a little bit, like she'll like, like oh yeah. And very quickly. Very quickly. And just be totally yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. So the six weeks is fun. But that's how they diagnose it. A lot of people say, that, oh, I had the blood test and they test for some antibodies. But that's been uh, proven now that it provides a lot of So the standards. testing that people are getting done through things like 23andMe where they're doing this genetic testing and they find out they have a, they have a gluten allergy mm-hmm. um, may not be all that accurate? Well, no. The genetic testing, that's actually re- relatively new. Um, and I believe there is um, some now, some evidence to support the the genetic testing. So, mm-hmm. like, you can go and find out if you are predisposed to having um, gluten or c- uh, celiac disease, not gluten uh, insensitivity or anything like that. Um, yeah. Gluten intolerance is still up for debate. Mm. Um, in terms yeah, of, is that, of... A, is that an actual thing? Mm. Right. Some people right. have said you're either celiac or you're not. It so. actually comes back down to the, um, like if you avoid a particular food for a long time and then you bring it back in, it's like the microflora in your guts, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, they, that can change. So when you try and reintroduce it again, then you start to get symptomatic. But, uh, Mark, did you ever have that with like, um, uh-huh. sorry not to be the interviewer, but, uh, oh, that's okay. have you ever had, oh, this is how to stop overeating. <laughs> so we made this video of. Like, basically, she's so tan. She's got that jacked tan. tan. So I was like, she she finished. <laughs> this happens with her all the time. She'll finish her macros by like noon or something. Oh no! And so in this video, she's like, at nine a.m. finished her macros. She's like, babe, stop me from overeating the rest of the day. So my whole goal the rest of the day is to stop her from overeating. You're just everywhere. So yeah. So I'm just there. Just comes my hand. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> yeah, who had to clean up that popcorn? Oh, yeah. this took us like four or five hours to film. I think. Um, so yeah, here she was supposed to take, uh, the kids, one of the Easter bunnies, uh, comes back with it and decides she's going to eat it. But this is, it's, it's <laughs> funny that like we make fun of this, right? but right. actually like we talked about, she has a hard time having an off switch. So if that stuff is available to her, she would just eat it and not even think about it. 
what are some things that you do to control some of that? I mean, obviously not having it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but when things are around, uh, what are some things do you try to just stuff your face with something else or what do you do? Um, there's actually a lot of research going into this right <coughs> now. Um, and it's something that I would like to kind of focus my attention on. Mm, chocolate I'm, um, bunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's creepy old lane sneaking out. <laughs> snuffed it out of my hand. Creeper. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the moment I can firsthand say for anyone that is actually suffering or has a hard time, like with food control, uh, look at your caloric intakes. And a lot of the time, some of these issues can just be resolved by increasing your calories. So nice. reverse diet, best thing for this. Like if you have the, if you have increased flexibility with your foods, then a lot of the problems can kind of dissipate just naturally because you don't have to think so much, but maybe just cause your body's getting some more of the nutrients that it needs. Maybe there's, there's less cravings going well, on. Well, in her case, and I don't want to speak too much for it. She was at 1,400 calories a day, which there's no flexibility with that. If yeah. you overeat a little bit, you're done. You know, and now she's... Especially if you're trying to maintain your She's weight. been able to reverse up to over 2,000 calories now and hasn't gained basically okay. any weight. Mm-hmm. So now you just, you were commenting the other day, you just have so much inflexibility. Like you had something earlier in the day that you would consider a treat and you get to the evening and you still got food left over. Yeah, so that would be like the main thing. But I, there's also um, like having layers of um, barriers to entry. So um, like as simple as just not having things like in arm's reach. So instead of just being in like when you open your pantry, having stuff there, put it on the top shelf or put it away mm-hmm. or like in the back fridge or somewhere else. You guys else. have a lock. Yeah, we have a lock box. Damn it. <laughs> Great. Dream. Yeah. And now the kids actually have started to like realize that the, the treats are in this big old green box. So like they'll go up, Robert's like, just puts his hand on the green box mm. and looks at Lane. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not opening that around me. <laughs> but yeah, certainly layers to entry, even like packaging, like having something that isn't like just, you can keep mooring at it. Like you have to open an individual wrapper. Like there's a lot of reasons. Yeah, and maybe just this. not having the diet just uh, uh, too restrictive too. Like, you know, allow yourself some some things that are sweet and some things that are salty and have yes. some variety. So that way you're not eyeballing all these other things, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, having a flexible dieting approach is certainly, uh, able to combat a lot of those problems. I think the, the idea that, um, you have to eat, you know, everything, um, from whole food sources all the time. Um, it's very restrictive and there's only so many, you know, um, so much, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Denying yourself. Yeah. You only have so much willpower. So, you know, once you get to a certain threshold, you're going to snap and then that's probably the first thing that you're going to go for. So, Yeah. When we try to rely on willpower, it's not enough. It's not not enough. Uh -uh. Lane, would you say that, you know, eating a good amount of vegetables to fill you up would (laughs) help with that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. We talked about this in the last PowerCast. Um, Was that fillers? uh, a couple ways to easily stop um, overeating besides having your own personal uh, Lane, who snacks food out of your hand. <laughs> yeah, slaps the run out of your um, mouth. <laughs> is, you know, that's actually, it's funny because like, I can say to her, I'm like, like if she's grabbing something like pretty high density, I'm like, can you, uh, can you fit that? Not as, I don't want you to get fat, but as I know that sometimes she will just mindlessly grab food. Yeah, and, I, and she's her. told me, she's like, just stop me. Just, just stop slap me. Slap it out of my mouth, babe. Um, but you know, <laughs> decreasing the size of your plate uh, and increasing the density of very bulky foods. Yep. Can can help with that. Yep. See that they're, they're actually even, even to... colors. So we were um, presenting at um, USF uh, two weekends ago now, and Sienna is that her? Sana Sana. I can incorrectly say her name. Um, she's actually doing some um, investigations into these kind of strategies to reduce your intake at a main meal. And 
like even color of your plates, like where you're, mm. there's big contrast of the plate and the actual color of your food versus non-contrasting, like those things all like make a difference. It like looks, there's research looks yeah. more satisfying that, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you have yeah. red food on a red plate, it's hard to see the contrast. So um, you eat more. Red food on a white plate, you, you, you see the contrast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The barriers of entry make a lot of sense because, uh, you know, there's almost there's that side of your brain that always talks you out of, yeah, that's just too much pain in the ass. I don't feel like doing that right now. Like mm-hmm. even just going to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. eh, I don't, I, maybe you're thinking I went this morning or I'm going to be there tomorrow anyway. And I don't feel like getting my socks and shoes and like doing all the stuff. Uh, same concept as if you had like a refrigerator in your bedroom, you know, like probably not, probably wouldn't be a great idea because you're like job of the hut. Yeah. Maybe you're just going to be eating, you know, while you're sitting there watching TV or whatever. Well, it also depends on what, you know, we talked about what causes obesity or what causes people to overeat and (gasps) it's okay because it's his podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, what causes people to overeat for her? Like usually if she overeats, it's not a, it's not because she's hungry. It's because she's stressed. And that's like a stress response. Yeah. So people would say like, just for her, if you take a certain trigger food and just put it outside, Hmm. like it's 10, 20 feet away, but she won't go get it. Like just because. I'm not lazy. I wouldn't say though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you usually, yeah. But if it's, if it's stress response, if you're not actually hungry or actually trying to fit it to your macros, you're, you're just, it's just kind of one of those things you just. It's like something that happens mindlessly when it's accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do think that's the hard part is that if you are obese and you're trying to lose weight, um, you know, losing some weight is, is not, is not the hardest thing, but you do at some point have to talk yourself into eating less food mm-hmm. and you do have to have this conversation with yourself. Like mm-hmm. uh, you're not hungry. Like you're not as hungry as you, you don't, you don't really need food. Mm-hmm. You ate enough today. Everything's all good. You should probably just go to bed. But there's that, those cravings, they hit people really hard, you know, they hit people yeah. really hard and you, you have a tendency, um, to, uh, you know, every time you're in front of a, a screen, you know, a computer screen or in, in front of a TV, that's when you want to kind of chow down. You, yeah. you want to eat something. It's yeah. hard to go to a movie. You guys go to movies together. I'm sure yeah. it's hard to go to a movie and really enjoy the movie without having the popcorn. Oh, she usually just sleeps. <laughs> Actually, that this is so true. <laughs> somebody always does. So, you know, there's always somebody in a relationship that sleeps uh, through movies, and it's me in my in my relationship with well, my with my we wife. Should, we, if we were friends, we just shouldn't go to the movies. Absolutely yeah, we just not. we we'd just, just be snoozing the whole time. <laughs> hey, let's go take a nap together at the movies. Yeah, people be like, man, those people were snoring big time. <laughs> yeah, if she makes it through the entire movie, uh, then she, I know she really liked it. She won't remember any of it because she has really bad memory. Yeah, but that's uh, so, so what did you say earlier in the car, like? What movie did you watch that you thought Patrick Swayze was in? Oh, Aquaman. Oh, Aquaman. oh, I love that. I love when people get like the wrong. I love that too. Because uh, so. she met the, the the cast from Aquaman was was training in the gym she used to be yeah, in in Australia. Chris, yeah. And um, she was like, yeah, there's this one actor. His name was Patrick. Uh, pa- really well known. Patrick Swayze. And I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not. He's dead. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. You're like, like, that's kind of impossible. Miracle of science. Yeah. And, and then I called Amber Heard. So she's uh, in that movie as well, Aquaman. And uh, I was I was like, oh, uh, Nicole Nicole Heard. Because I'd just seen Nicole Hidman earlier that day. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's it. It was Nicole, it's Nicole Heard. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wrong. The best is when you're, when you're like that, just to be all in on it and just be like, you know, I got it right. You know, just <laughs> just yeah, go with it. Yeah. Just go with the flow. What did we talk about? Another thing you, you brought it up. I guess they said that like they would like a uh, prank show kind of like dress oh, yeah. people. What was it? So people will, uh, on YouTube, you can look it up. I think people will dress a normal person up as if they're a celebrity 
not make them look like anybody in particular. Just fancy glasses. Just fancy and clothes yeah, and yeah, glasses. Exactly. And they'll have, they'll have people follow them around like they're their bodyguards or their entourage. That's and fucking great. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta watch yeah. it. We should so try they'll, this. They'll go up to people <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, hey, do you know this guy? And he's a nobody. But people will follow along. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I think I just saw his album or... Uh, I just saw him on TV the other day. Just I think he was great. So I go to this coffee shop almost every day. Phil's Coffee in in Davis, and Davis is not a big town. It's not a big city. Um, and the it's one day, the one day, the one day that I go to, uh, I go to San Francisco to meet with the owner of Phil's. Mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender goes to the mm. da- goes to the Davis one. Oh no shit! And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, would I even would I even recognize him at all? Mm-hmm. You know, like he. Mm. Um, no, he's kind of tall. He's a very good looking guy and stuff like that. But I don't, unless he was wearing something like fancy. Mm, you might not know. Yeah, I might not put two in, or if I didn't hear his voice because he got an accent, right? Like I'm just thinking, would I even recognize him? Well, we've had, a, we've had that where like we've seen someone like we know that they're, we know them from somewhere. So they must be like well known, but we just don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. But I actually was in Ohio, like at the LA Fitness there. We were training and somebody comes to me like, has anybody ever told you you look a lot like Lane Norton? And I was yeah, like, I get that, that all the time. God. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That he was so embarrassed that guy as well. It's like, oh my God, it's actually you. <laughs> like that guy's a dick. Yeah. dick. <laughs> yep. Exactly. PhD. Pretty huge dick. So so you uh compete in fitness and figure or yes. bodybuilding? Yes, fitness and figure. Yeah. Oh, do you, do you do a little bit a little bit of both? Yes. What's the difference between the two? Well, actually, I think it's actually different in US and depending on what federation, but uh, I competed for um, the IMBA, uh, which is, or the PMBA, which is the natural uh, bodybuilding federation that's most prominent in Australia. Um, and she all natty or half natty? I'm all natty. All yeah. natty. Um, I'd mm. like to think I'm all natty unless <laughs> someone's been spiking my monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, that 1,000 milligrams of caffeine a day, does that hold me to natty yeah, that, category? That, that wouldn't pass you saw it, I don't <laughs> That's think. a lot. <laughs> it is. We, we calculated this. Like yeah. there's, we, we did an average and I probably have about that every day. You're Not having really. grams of caffeine every day. Uh, our, mm. next, <laughs> our next uh, funny video, I think, is going to be us just like sitting in the office. Who can, who can win And the Kabir most? will just film us and it's just every time one of us has a caffeinated a drink just gonna ding and put up the the caffeine number in total for the day and we'll just see where it ends up at mm. you sleep okay i do i like i was just joking around earlier with you guys i said like one night i remember going out to the fridge and i was like oh i really i probably want to get a good night's sleep tonight i'll just take a a unisom just to knock me off a little bit and i actually cracked a monster out of the fridge <laughs> to, to drink my uh to take the tablet and i just laughed to myself i'm like here i am having a sleeping tablet and i'm putting myself to bed with a monster <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> but even with it, even without it, she, uh, she could have a, a cup of coffee or a monster and go right to bed. Like, yeah. Wow. Some people metabolize caffeine better Very than others, fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's actually uh, quadrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually saw this talk when I was at uh, in graduate school. Uh, a guy came and talked. I think from the University of Toronto. Um, people kind of fall into one of four categories and, and different different levels of each. But basically, fast metabolizer, non-sensitive, fast metabolizer, sensitive. Slow metabolizer, non-sensitive, slow metabolizer, sensitive. What's interesting is people who are uh, fast metabolizers, who are non-sensitive, caffeine has a protective effect on heart disease. Mm -hmm. But for people who are slow metabolizers and sensitive, it's like almost the same risk factor as cigarettes. Yeah. Mm. So so that's, again, like how different people can be. What kind of of implications would that then have for like these companies that have um, high caffeine beverages which are available to the general pop like well i mean if this exists and you know it can be a problem for somebody like how do we say hey no 
Well, we don't really know unless everybody's going to go get out and get tested for polymorphisms on their genes you <laughs> right. know, and cytochrome P450. We all need to come up with some kind of gene test for that. <laughs> Hear that, Mark? You just got roped into this. You're, I know. You're be part Shit. of a new company. You in, bro? I'm in. But I mean, at the end of the day, would that really change people's habits? You know, some people know yeah, cigarettes know. are going to kill them and they drink it, they, they drink it. There's a lot of research showing that, uh, you know, caffeine, alcohol, um, marijuana, that they have a huge negative impact on your sleep mm. and it doesn't change anybody's, uh, you know, doesn't change what people are doing. And even just, there's a lot of research showing that, you know, getting proper amounts of sleep, uh, is is really beneficial but still Absolutely. you know there's going to be things that people point out we all, we all know you know healthy eating is going to you know help us you know go in a certain direction and some of these things and you're right it's not going to always change but it's hard to do everything you yeah know, like if you want to be the healthiest person ever you know that's going to be a full-time job well and even in, in your effort to be the healthiest person ever you might be creating other problems you know, yeah, they, yeah you're avoiding your family cases <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah there's that. some well there's some people that have uh there's some people that have, um, uh, I won't, proven it's not the right word. There's some people that have shown that recycling is completely like a waste of time. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> you know, because Dance. the amount of effort and the amount of. That it takes to recycle, it actually produces more energy. Yeah, uh, right, right, interesting. right. So I right. Think we call that. those unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, when we do yeah, so when things. you're trying to be healthy, you might be like, okay, here's what I'm going to eat. Um, and that's why it's so dangerous to kind of label something as this, hey, this chicken breast is going to be the best thing. Mm. If you have chicken breast, you're going to be super healthy. And it's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, That's so, a roll of the dice, right? Yeah, but I mean, you can go too far with that too. I mean, there was an Australian uh, fitness competitor who actually died. Oh, yeah, from she Perth. had an inborn error of mm. protein metabolism in the urea cycle. She was, I think, believe she was missing one of the enzymes for urea. So basically, um, when she was, if she was on a low protein diet, nothing would have really happened, but by eating a high protein diet and that, to be clear, everybody out there, this is a, a very rare genetic disorder. It allowed, yeah. How much? It was less than 3% of the population. I, think. I imagine it's less than that even, but the, 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 it allows ammonia to basically build up in your bloodstream and mm-hmm. ammonia is toxic. Mm-hmm. Urea is non-toxic. So your body usually takes the nitrogen from protein and converts it to urea because it's non-toxic. But when you're missing some of those urea cycle enzymes or one of them, you can start to build up urea or sorry, uh, ammonia in your oh, bloodstream yeah. and it, it ended up killing this gal. But of course the Australian media took that and said, see, protein powder is going to kill you. Mm. you or know? bodybuilding is bad. It's kind yeah. of the overall message. I think I kind and of said, it, which is frustrating. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying a person who was born with, you know, a BRCA gene, um, which is basically if you have the BRCA gene, you're going to 99% get breast you cancer. You need to get your tits mm-hmm. cut off. Yeah. You got to get your boobs <laughs> cut off. Um, it, but it, it, but that's like saying, Oh, well, they, uh, they did this thing when they were alive and that killed them. Well, no, right. they were going to get breast cancer regardless. So yeah, it's very, it's very difficult to label. Like, like I said, with the caffeine example, how do you, as a government make regulations when, if you, re- if you say, well, caffeine's bad for this subset of people. So we're going to tell people don't have it, but actually you're placing a certain subset at risk by doing that. Right. But then if you tell people, hey, it's okay to have, you're also placing another subset at risk. Yeah. That's why when I talk about stuff, I try to put everything in context because right. I think if you paint things with a broad brush, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah. I mean, we could say the same thing about food. You know, we're talking about vegetables. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's certain vegetables that are harmful to him and some vegetables, those same vegetables are really good for you, right? Mm. right. I mean, if it's that way with caffeine, why wouldn't it be that way kind of to, across to- the board on a lot of things, right? Yeah, too too much veggies can be bad for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can uh, it can, can cause malabsorption of vitamins and minerals. It can yep. cause really bad GI discomfort. 
Right. Um, we both have had clients who thought that the more vegetables they ate, the healthier they were. And I had one person who was eating like literally pounds of broccoli a day. Phew. Couldn't figure out why they were backed up, gassy, and <laughs> felt sluggish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because they were on really high calories too. Right. I'm like, go eat some pizza and and cut down your, uh, to hit those calories and cut down your, your fiber intake. They lost like four pounds in three days because they were literally full of shit. Yeah, we've you know? had this conversation many times, Lane. I think I've worked with a couple of bodybuilders who had uh, their calorie intakes would have been in excess of five or 6,000, probably probably even higher, to be honest. And uh, yeah, one of them was having around 80 or 85 grams of fiber every day. Holy. And uh, I did a quick, they were bro style 85 diet. 85 grams Yeah, of it's it's high. Like they're eating, they just like clean. Colon blow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so like, they're like, describing their symptoms like they were getting nauseous vomiting um like tremors and uh when i did a food uh, diary analysis and checked all of their micronutrients um on this wonderful australian program that i had on my computer which i no longer have access to but it actually pulled out like they were taking in toxic levels of some of the the micronutrients and trace elements and the side effects of that were the things they were experiencing like you need to eat some sugar man like stop trying to do everything from clean you know yeah. how do you foods. know how much is too much because me included but there's people listening right now they're probably like oh yeah that's me i eat way too much veggie so i mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. calm down <laughs> you know like because they're they, they probably just don't like veggies me included yeah but like how does somebody know like okay i had whatever x amount and i do feel kind of my stomach's hurting a little bit is that just like the marker just how they feel uh, well, you can certainly go and have blood done. Like mm-hmm. you can get a blood analysis to tell you whether you're frank deficient, but you can also find on the other end of the spectrum, okay, you're over <laughs> the recommended intakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's really difficult to determine this because we have these set, you know, micronutrient requirements. You have like an EA and then a, um, an AI. So when they cannot actually determine whether something is uh, safe or not, they just say, well, well, stuff it, we'll just have an average intake. And that's kind of where you should sit because you can't really go out for ethical reasons and say, let's test what the toxic limit is for this particular right. you know, mm. micronutrient. So it's hard, but I think when you're starting to get up to those higher intakes, um, especially for bodybuilders and competitors with crazy calorie intakes, yeah, I think you probably just need to be realistic about it and or on the side They've of done, portion. You know, studies are like, I mean, I don't know, like you, you can't always uh, rely on every every study that there is. But there's some pretty big studies that have been done, um, you know, when it when it comes to, you know, how things are protective for the heart. Um, I'm not recalling the name of it right now at the moment, but there's been a study that's been done. It was a 14-year study. It was on uh, vegetables, meat, fruit, and it showed that in this study, I got to always kind of say that, right? That fruit had some protective properties of the heart. Now, I don't even know how they were measuring that. And that's where somebody like you can come in and kind of look at the data. It showed that vegetables were like neutral. Like they didn't, weren't really positive. They weren't necessarily negative. And it had everybody all up in arms. And it showed that uh, saturated fat um, was uh, was actually protective of the heart and made people start to kind of think about how, uh, you know, saturated fat can be um you know, beneficial to us where before we were kind of putting our arms up being like, you got to stay away from saturated fat. So a lot of the things that we, we think, you know, they, they're constantly changing and there's, there's new research kind of pointing in different directions, but it gets to be complicated because this study says this over here. And then there's this one over here. And we have a tendency to like bounce, right? We're like, right. oh shit. You know, like what I got That's from that study, people. because I don't love vegetables. I'm like, I don't need to eat vegetables. You know, <laughs> and I jump on that train. Right. But 
for myself, for my own health, I try to just go back to everything kind of tends to swing to the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, we can go as far crazy over here and we can have a war on carbs. We can say we're going to go all keto and go all in and go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, but does it make some sense for me to have some fruit? Does it make some sense for me to have some vegetables? Does it make some sense for me to not eat three pounds of steak every day? You know, does it make, you know, just some of these things you start to, uh, you start to think about, right? And it, it just, if you can kind of trust your intuition and trust uh, some of the knowledge that you've taken over the years and start to put it towards what you feel is effective for you, I think you'll be on the right track. Well, I think that, uh, you know, you can, uh, it's like you're saying, you could be, you could do too much of anything. You could drink too much water, you die. Uh, you could try to be too healthy with your diet, eat nothing but lean meats and vegetables, and you can get rabbit starvation. Um, you can, uh, you know, exercise too much. Uh, you know, there's all, everything has to be in moderation, like you're saying. And the other thing is, I think, you know, people will take these studies um, and obviously try to confirm their own biases by what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and, and they don't want to, they don't want to trust somebody like a coach or, or, or somebody like that to be able to analyze the studies because they have the background in being able to, you know, disseminate whether they're quality, what, what, what kind of research methods that they had. Um, you know, like you were saying, Vegetables might not be protective of the heart, and some people might see that and be like, "Oh, then that means they're not they're not good for health at all because right, they're not protective right. of the heart." That means, you know, no, that right. then that means they're not protective for cancer or the brain or anything like that. Um, and I so I think uh, it's like you're saying some people might enjoy a little bit more carbs or a little bit less carbs. And as a coach, especially, you have to be adaptable and you have to individualize everything for that client. I think one of the other things we're we're probably missing on and people don't want to admit this kind of stuff is that there may be some things that are protective for cancer that are bad for heart disease. Absolutely. Yeah. And you may be just getting in this area (laughs) where if you go one way, you know, you're, you're picking, you're, you're swinging one way versus the other. Right. Because. It's like, I mean, it's like anything. I just like, want to do Holly's diet. I just, anytime <laughs> I see something, I just want to grab it and eat it. I think, yeah. I think she's but got I the see, best I method eat. at the table mm-hmm. there. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you, it's, it's like, um, it's like training, right? Like if you, you can't be the best at everything. If you mm-hmm. want to be the best powerlifter in the world, guess what? You're not running a marathon, right? If you right. want to be the best marathon runner in the world, guess what? You're not doing a whole lot of sprinting. I think Ray Williams yeah. could run a marathon. <laughs> well, look at this. I mean, uh, <laughs> he would just, yeah. I would never doubt just, that guy with anything. He would just but. eat, uh, he would just eat everybody that's going to do the race and then walk it. <laughs> and he'd, um, well, yeah, he'd you know, what's funny is actually, um, the most viral video I've ever done on my Facebook was I held my, when Ray first hit the first thousand pound squat in USAPL history, what an animal, an mm. animal. Uh, I had, I was just recording my laptop cause I was watching from home, mm. recording my laptop and like commenting, like, come on, Ray, like fuck this shit up. You know, like that got reached like 3 million people on Facebook. Oh, that's crazy. But is, well, like, what, what triggers that, that algorithm, right. you know, Facebook. Yeah. But anyway, somebody was like hating on Ray. Like this guy isn't an athlete. I bet he couldn't mm. even do a pull up. And he was just being, everybody's going in and crushing him. And we're like, dude, here's a video of him doing like 10 pull ups with 80 pounds of chains. Yeah. And the guy was still like, no, no, he's not an athlete. I'm like, mm. he doesn't look like it. Well, but he is an athlete. He played college football. Like Ray is an athlete. And if you've ever been around, yeah, he's got some body fat on, but that motherfucker is big. Yeah. Like when he turns around and does his, after he hits a big yeah. squat, he is like literally as wide as the squat rack. Wow. He is an animal. He, he has the most, uh, him and, and Donnie Thompson. 
most muscle mass I've ever seen on a human being, period. Huge. Um, I remember Ray uh, took a shirt off when he was at our gym. I, I made some like custom shirts for him and stuff. And uh, just looking at his back. He's huge. I was just like, holy sh- I never seen anything like that before. Beast. <laughs> I was like, like he's going to squat 500 kilos raw. He's going to do it. He's, is that 1,100 pounds? 1,100 pounds. 1,102 or something. 1,102. Like he was close at the uh, He did 1080. Ohio. Yeah. 1080 in Ohio. That's oh, incredible. Yeah. People don't, that's, and people, oh, but he can't possibly be natty and this and that. I'm like. You ever seen Ray when he was younger? He's always been big, dude. Always. Yeah, like people, some people are just freaks. People man. get this like idea of what an athlete is in their head and they don't want to like, they just have those parameters they're, set. They're like, very narrow minded. You know? Everybody mm-hmm. thinks that, oh, LeBron James is the prototypical athlete. And yeah. if you can't do it or, or anybody else, a CrossFit games competitor or whatever, and you see somebody who's just incredibly strong like that and maybe has a little bit more body fat. They think, ah, oh, that's Lady, not enough. You have a world record in the squat. Do you feel that you former, have uh, former. Huh? Former. Oh, someone else took it? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. son Dave of Ricks. Son Stupid son Superman. Oh, and he was older than you too. Isn't he, he like 70 years that's old? That's right. It means I got, he's got, he's 58. It means I got 23 years to catch him. There you go. <laughs> he went out there with a cane and like just totally fucked Dude, it he's up. just a beast. Like, what are you going to do? Like wow. Dave Ricks is a legend in powerlifting, you know? But do you feel that you have any sort of uh, genetic talent towards that? I mean, obviously you've worked very hard for it. It's of course. I mean, I've got to have some, you right. know, like I'm, I think I'm probably not as gifted as some people. Like my... I'm definitely, I mean, Dr. McGill commented, he's like, you are definitely not how I would draw up a great squatter, mm-hmm. but he's like, man, you got the most out of your mechanics. That was the first thing he said to me. And, you know, people out there would say, well, lane squats too bent over or this and that. He's, and he, he said, he's like, you would not, based on the way your acetabulum is shaped and your, your femur sip, sits in your hip socket, you can't go wider. Yeah. You, you wouldn't get any more power out of going wider. You squat exactly you know, he, there were some little things we could tweak and yeah. like prehab, rehab, make my core more fatigue resistant, stronger. But he's like, you got the way you squat. That's how you got the most out of your frame. Now, right. you know, like, so my frame probably isn't built to power lift. Most guys who are great squatters are built like a Bryce Lewis. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Completely upright, short little piston style squat. Chubby um, little legs. Yeah. Chubby mm-hmm. little legs. But you know, I have other advantages <laughs> like, um, I, you know, up until now I was pretty injury resistant or I was very resilient when I would have an injury. Paul used to call me Wolverine. Cause well, maybe was, you also uh, adapted to the training really well to where you're able to do a lot of work, right? Yeah, I, and you and, were able to get a lot. From that I mean, work. you saw me in here when I was in 2015, like I did a bone crushing soul sucking amount of work. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to brag too much, but I'm no, pretty but sure. I've never in my life had been able to do anything remotely close to that. Like I, I, I can do a couple sets, you know, yeah. but I can't, you know, sit there for three hours squatting. Yeah. Most people, I bury people in the gym. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I was just said, if my, if my body matched my will, I'd be multiple time world champion, but you got to work with what you're given. Now, like I've always had, like, for example, one of the advantages I have is I've always had high testosterone. Uh, even when I was a teenager, I was Stay like, right. <laughs> <laughs> even when I was a teenager, I would Test just, this man right now on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I've always run high cholesterol. I've always had high uh, testosterone. I don't know if there's a relationship there. There is, but, isn't um, it? Well, you produce steroids from testosterone or from, from, from cholesterol. cholesterol. Yeah. But it's not like a, you know, mm. more cholesterol you, equals more it's testosterone. It's not a one-to-one, one, I got you. Right. right. Um, but it certainly seems to show that maybe there's an increased sterile production from-, from Everyone's from just everywhere. loading up on cholesterol <laughs> yeah. right now. They just heard that. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work that way, guys. Yeah, that, we've been jumping all over the place. People have been changing their diet like- uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like watching and they're like- Oh, oh no. no. Lane's got a, runs a thousand- Look. 
Just go back to Holly's diet yeah. and you'll be fine. You know, Eat whatever you want. It's interesting, like, Lane, you talk about the soul-crushing workouts that you did. And I feel like a lot of people who get into working out, they feel like that's what they that like that's what you have to do in that's order a to get better. Great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they have to. If you're not crushing yourself every day, that means you're not working hard enough. You're not going to get good. And you mentioned many times that you know the volume I put you on going into your last raw nationals was so was much. It was so much less than what you were used to. However, you hit a PR on deadlift, right? Yeah, and that's with injuries and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, volume is a very important thing, but I've kind of come back to the middle on it. Like we did way less deadlifting than I had done previously, mm-hmm. right. you know, and I ended up setting a deadlift PR, you know, how yep. does that work? It's um, just hard to know all these things too, because like so maybe, individual. well, maybe some of all the previous work you did led you to this being more well, effective certainly. now, right? So yeah. I certainly Training think that Lane's bodybuilding, like he, how many years did you bodybuild before you started really powerlifting? Uh, I 10, 15. So you did 10 to 15 years of structural work for your, yep. you, you, all you set the, you, yeah, you, you laid the foundation mm-hmm. to build that strength. Right. And then you got to a point where maybe your structure and your strength didn't match up as well. And you had a lot of fatigue and you had a lot of stress in your life and some injuries started to pile up. You have really yeah. high resiliency. That's not really your issue. The injuries the piled up because he didn't know how to squat properly. <laughs> yeah, it's because of that good well, morning. You know, I, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm unaware of any, uh, my response is always, I'm unaware of any good morning where the hips go below the knee joints. I actually uh, would say that uh, people make a mistake when they're watching your squat and they'll, you know, they, you're leaning forward, but you're not rounding. Right. Right. If, if you were rounding, then you would be putting yourself at great risk, which sometimes happens with heavier weights. It's sure. just, it's bound to happen, but, it, but it's the, it's the rounding of the lower back. That's a real problem. And, uh, even on your, your world record squad, I don't think your back even rounded. You were just no. leaning forward, which yeah, is mean, way I, different. What I tell people is I'm like, well, do you think a conventional deadlift is inherently dangerous? Mm-hmm. Cause by the bottom of my squad, I'm basically in a conventional deadlift position, yeah. but my back is straight. Right. And one thing like of all the form critiques I've had from really respected powerlifting coaches, nobody's ever said just squat more upright. Because sure. they'll take one look at me and go, yeah, you can't squat more upright. upright. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ed Cohn actually squatted in a very similar similar way. It's just that Steve he's not as, he's just not as tall as you, so you didn't right. people didn't notice how far forward he was going. Well, I mean, you can only you're you know it's biomechanics. The bar has to stay over your midfoot, otherwise you fall forward or fall backwards. And for me to get to parallel, I have such a long femur, I have to clear that femur out of the way to get to parallel. Well. I, if I am going to stay more upright, I'm not going to get parallel. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of females that are that way too. Yeah. yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've found that exact thing. Like I'm She's very forward leaning in my yeah. squat, but yeah, like longer legs and a my, short torso. My femurs are almost the same length as Lane that I'm, and I'm half the size of you. So. Who has, who, who has sexier legs? Uh, her for sure. <laughs> yeah. Her for sure. What about glutes? Well, actually, oh, I dude, Lane has probably got the best glutes out of the two of us. He's got, so he got his nice, he has he's a nice ass. Booty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're making him blush over there. Look at that. Oh, that, that usually doesn't happen. Usually it's the other way around. <laughs> right. uh, I, th- I think if we uh, both walk through a crowd, I, I think I know uh, <laughs> women. I've noticed this too. Like so many women come up to her and they're like, we were on the a beach. Women and, are inspired by girls with muscle. Oh, that, like, a lot of times they're like, they're like, the hell? like, they're like, like, we were just walking out in our neighborhood the other day and a car stopped and they were like, I just want, I've got to tell you, you are so beautiful. There's uh-huh. other woman. And Holly's just like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. 
<laughs> that doesn't happen very much in Australia. I think we have a different uh, mm. approach to. You know, it's uh, <laughs> as a guy, you can't really say anything though. It's kind of weird no. because, like, uh, I saw a woman at Phil's Coffee the other day, totally jacked. I feel like I know like everybody in town because it's a small town, and I just went up to her and I said. You got some awesome arms. Like, I don't know if you've been bodybuilding, powerlifting. Mm. I said, you look, you look jacked. And I mean, she was, she was super nice. Yeah, yeah. And I just left it at that. And, yeah. you know, I don't know if I made her feel weird and creeped out or if I made her feel good, but. <laughs> oh, I, was, I think that would like solidify, like you, you trained hard. I, yeah. It's just, I, it's I just, uh, somebody that says that. it's kind of rare. Yeah. You know, it's, for, it's rare to see anybody jacked, first of all, but to see a woman who's jacked, you're like, holy shit. But what I've discovered from being around her is I've learned this. Chicks don't check out guys. They mm -hmm. check out other chicks. No, it's no. Like so all you all dudes work. like getting your getting yourself all done up and everything, thinking girls are gonna no, no listen. Uh, no, here's how just you just hire a, a hot girl to stand next to if you want attention from women, because at least they'll come around you then. <laughs> here's how you get chicks. You just build up your bench press. Just continue working that bench press. <laughs> yeah. When your bench is you know over a certain amount of weight, the girls will just start come just flocking flock to you, to you. Right? That's <laughs> the way it works, right? <laughs> yeah. When you were, you ever when see you that? Were, you ever see that? You were fat. You must have just had so many. Oh, just yeah, just coming out of the woodwork. And you ever see the uh, that meme that shows like uh, like reality versus uh, what the guy yes, thinks? Yeah, yes. And it's got the guy like bench pressing, and and it shows like a bunch of chicks around him. He's all jacked, mm -hmm. and it's like here's reality. And it's a bunch of dudes like yelling at him <laughs> yes, while he's on the bench. Yes, yeah, you, yes, you do all this yes. work to try to get more attention from the ladies, and all you get is guys asking you, "How did you get that way?" Yes, yeah. exactly. No, Dude, how'd you get your glutes like that? <laughs> oh, we're awesome. walking. We're walking down the beach and. Uh, Thailand. We went to Thailand last month. And uh, she had so many women come and say, oh my God, you have such an incredible body, this and that. So by, by the end, I'm like, because you know, I'm like in all right shape. So they come like, your body is amazing. I'm like, thank you. Yeah, Lane would just totally take over the comment. I'm it's like, about okay. time. And then, and then like some, we were walking down and like some might toot their horn and Lane decided like by the end of it, he'd just do like strike this muscular pose. Like... <laughs> That like, sounds like a lady. <laughs> I, I can kind of picture like someone's complimenting her and you start kind of flexing. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, like, yeah. Hey, hey, what, what about you me? You're Come going on. through. You're going. I just got to make it about him, you know? Yeah. What do you, what do you think about me? <laughs> no. When did you uh, move to the States? Um, well, May last year I came over. Oh, I, okay. I, I had to go back um, for a little while to organize my visa. So I went back for just over a month, I think it mm. was. And yeah, I officially kind of got back over here in October. October, I'm going to say. And September. you lived, lived in Australia your, your whole life? I have, yeah. So What's the transition been like? Uh, awful. <laughs> Shot. Mm. Oh. We, I, I must say. Fat I, Americans. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The biggest <sighs> the biggest change, I think, is just the age of the country. I, I feel like I've dated maybe 10 years, like, when I moved to Florida. Like, it's very, I feel like, very old-fashioned. Like, there's a lot of old dagginess going on. I think mm. Australia is so progressive and new, like, the, those Australian the infrastructure, the buildings, like it's so different. Like mm. I, I, um, used to love traveling. I still do love traveling, but I, I do have a, uh, a lot of, um, I don't know. Are you, are you saying you feel that there's, uh, uh, old tradition in Australia or more old tradition here? Here, old tradition and gotcha. just, um, a little, I feel like it's just behind, but then. Yeah. Is that big, have to do with where you guys live perhaps? Uh, oh, For, part of it. <laughs> Land O'Lakes ain't exactly a well, bustling metropolis. I huh. think, like, it's not a massive city. Right down city. there by John Cena. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's very cruisy Actually, there. like, very close now that I think of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm used to cities. Well, I grew up, actually, in a very small place of the world, in Tasmania. You to check out his gym. It's what awesome. is he in Ocala? I've been there before. Is he in Ocala? I used to coach Matt. Oh, okay, cool. So, is he yeah. up in Ocala? No, he's no? he's in Newport Ritchie, I think, right? Oh, now he's in New. Okay. I believe so. Who's that? 
John Cena. John Cena. Oh, I, yeah, I don't know where he moved. Actually, I'm pretty mm. sure we live across the lake from him right now. Wow. Like, oh, he lives yeah, on Lake you were Paget. telling me about He has one this. of the massive houses there. Interesting. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a, I think more so what she's referring to is like, just like everything over there. Like if you go to the cities, everything's very modern. And clean. They don't have old buildings mm -hmm. and whatnot. And whereas over, you know, we have more, we have buildings that are 50, 60 years old. Homes right. are older. You know, everything over there is very modern. Like well, very... We, were, we were founded really in 1901. Like that's kind of when shit started to happen in Australia. Uh, just So it's just new. And like all of right. the, you know, communities have congregated into small areas and lots of, lots of high rises. Like the right. cities are very nice and new. So that's, that's kind of, that, yeah. It's kind of funny because I feel like Americans will go to Europe so we can see old stuff, right? We go, yeah. we go over there. We're like, oh, we're so new because Europe is so old. Yeah. yeah, or even being here in California, you go to the yeah. East Coast. Yeah, exactly. It's like mm. a couple hundred years older. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. You go to Philadelphia or something, you can see stuff from 250 years ago. Right, you know? right. I love big personalities here, though. Like everybody just seems mm. to be very like outspoken and like it's everybody's cool. like Mark. Everyone's very reserved in Australia. They kind of yeah. hard to get. Australia is, uh, it seems like, um, well, at least in terms of powerlifting, but, but maybe fitness as well. Is it, is it growing there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Just in the last five years, I suppose, well, my interests have come swayed more towards it in the last five years, but you can see the progression, um, mm. and, uh, it's pretty cool. I wonder kind of like what, like what's responsible for some of that. Maybe just, um, I think CrossFit definitely had a, a huge influence, especially, can... especially on females, you know, mm -hmm. exercising more, but mm. I would say that social media is probably huge. I heard someone the other day, they made a comment. They're like, there's not a one, one Instagram chick that I follow. That's not lifting. You know, mm -hmm. that's all, it's a part of the big, picture. you know what? I think women getting to lifting, that's the difference. And that's what it was for powerlifting too. Yeah. Like people wonder what the explosion of powerlifting was. It was women getting interested in it. Because now you go to meets and there's tons of women. Back yeah. when you and back what, when you were doing yeah. it and I started, there might have been one chick at a meet. No. And she looked like a dude. Yeah. And you know guys, I mean? and guys, of course, are going to love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so more. exactly. Like there's more yeah. females coming there and the guys the are. Women, women are more social. Like they like to share with other people yeah. and like men are kind of. I keep it closer to the chest, I guess. So if they're power lifting, they're not necessarily posting pictures all over the place and videos of it back then. Yeah. Now they do. But I think when women started making it more mainstream, I guess. is Actually, that's a good point too, because a lot of guys, when I was posting stuff a long time ago, they were like, oh, idiot, what are you, why are you posting all this shit mm -hmm. all the Tension time? Tension seeker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in, what and are you, for, a girl? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for women, it's a little bit more commonplace, right? They're just sharing, yeah. sharing their experience. They're not viewed as maybe like, uh, in, in that sense, they're not viewed as like peacocking unless mm -hmm. they're showing their butts. But you know what I think? Yeah, it's guys just want to look at it more. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think part of it too is like a powerlifting, like any sport, when it starts in the underground, like. It's like that hipster mentality, right? Yeah. Like you only like it when nobody else likes it. Sure. You're like, you're like, oh, well, I liked it when it was cool or, yeah. when it was, or before it got cool. Do you think, Lane, that that's kind of some of the reason why you get so much hate sometimes is because you were a power lifter and you kind of tried to make it more mainstream? You shared with your life. I think I get it. a lot of hate just because I'm open and I'm passionate and mm -hmm. I'll tell you exactly how I feel about stuff. And uh, sometimes I don't mince, mince very many words. Gotcha. And I think if you're going to, you know, my mom gave me advice one time and like, I probably, I'm not going to sit here and say people, when they say negative things, it doesn't bother me. Of course it bothers me here and there. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you about that. But you know, mom gave me some great advice one time and mom's like, honey, some people are going to hate you just for existing, just for breathing and being who you are. So you might as well just do what you love and 
and now try not to worry about it as much as you can. Because <laughs> yeah. the only way, I think Aristotle said this, you know, the only way to avoid criticism is to say say nothing, do, do nothing, nothing, be, be nothing. nothing. Right. Mm. That sounds like a pretty miserable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. if you want to be reserved and kind of be vapor and go about your day and not make a change, but uh, a great line is actually from a video game, ironically, but it said, if you want to make enemies, try to try to change something. Mm. Right. Mm. That's And that's... If you're going to be outspoken and you're going to do stuff and you're going to have an opinion, you're going to piss people off. That's Andres, not a bad thing. When yeah. and uh, how did you get into power? I think. Uh, well, funny enough, um, when I was like 18 years old, I was obese. I was like over 300 pounds. I lost a lot of weight. What? Yeah. Uh, lost... Warren, Warren carbs? <laughs> uh, no, you know what? I didn't know anything back then. So all I ate was fast food when I was in pretty much growing up and, um, you know, as soon as I was able to go into high school and stuff. Uh, all I ate was fast food. And so basically I just switched to like more whole foods, some through some fruit and vegetables. And I remember eating a lot of granola bars because for some reason I thought that was like the healthiest thing to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I lost a lot of weight. Yeah, uh, you know what? It's probably better than eating it, what you're eating. It was before, better than right? what, yeah. I mean, right? of course uh, it was, it was better than what I was eating and I lost weight. Uh, of course I started exercising. Delicious. You made me so hungry. <laughs> oh <right now>. man. <laughs> uh, and That's then. smelly at heart. Yeah. You know, I got into lifting oh, a little bit. And uh, somewhere along the way, you know, I was like searching for a better way to diet because I was tired of uh, just plain old meal plans that you get out of Flex Magazine. Mm. And uh, I stumbled across like bodybuilding.com and flexible dieting and lane stuff. And I was at first I was like, this isn't possible. Uh, There's no (laughs) way you can eat this stuff and, and still you know, look okay and, and perform. Um, like Pop-Tart diet. Yeah, I never got that far because I don't really enjoy Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Me neither, ironically. They're not yeah, that great. No. Yeah. no, I don't even... No. I but, mean, they're okay. Know, I'll, I'll eat one. But... Give her a Tim Tam? My God. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, you know, through following Lane more and more, of course, he started powerlifting. And so I started trying my hand at, at trying to do some powerlifting and um, did a meet. And uh, then I was like, through this whole process, I got really interested in the deeper science of of, uh, exercise science and exercise physiology. And I wanted to study that and try to make a career out of that. And so, um, you know, I'm not the best power lifter in the world by any means. Uh, but I, I'd like to think I can understand it on a deeper level. Um, and that's why, I, what I try to bring to So the, you went to school for exercise science. Yeah. Like yeah. I got, I've got a degree in exercise, a master's degree in exercise science. Uh, and I want to get a PhD. Um, just trying to find out where I can study what I want to study. Right. which is more on the sports science side of things. So like we were saying earlier that I take a lot of data metrics. And so I think um, one thing I noticed with powerlifting is that it's, I, I feel like it's a little bit simplistic in the programming sometimes in that people don't, people only want to give exercise and they don't want to think about the lifestyle and like everything that goes on behind the scenes. And I think that that's really important uh, to the overall success of somebody you know, if, if you're if you're a coach and you're not really like checking in on what your client is doing in their own life and like how are they being fulfilled by their job or you know do they have a family? Yeah, maybe they left out the fact that they, you know, had somebody in their family die recently or they yeah. have a desire to lose fifteen pounds and it's like, well, shit, we didn't we, we didn't account know, for that. We need to yeah. know some information here. You know, and so um, you know, I think that's really important. Uh, to have those conversations with, with your, with the people that you coach. And, um, it's not just about exercise and it's not just about macros. I don't think, I think it's, uh, you have to go deeper than that sometimes. Yeah. That's what we were talking about with obesity too. It's like just a multi-layered thing Yeah, that gets to be, uh, can turn into being complex and it's not, 
hey, you know, uh, just don't eat over 200 grams of carbs and don't eat over 100 sure. grams of fat. Like it doesn't turn into just that. And the same thing is true with I feel like I feel like prescribing, the like writing the program and, and calculating macros is the easiest part of my job. It's the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I'm, you know, that's yeah, what I'm really like, interested mm, in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, even in so far as, you know, he was tracking my HRV, heart rate variability, mm -hmm. sleep. Joel Jameson was... talks a lot that a lot about yeah. that. Yeah, I love Joel. Yeah, you listen to a lot of his uh, stuff because yeah. he, tra he tracks a lot of stuff. So he had a, a this is stuff. when I was a very stressful time in my life, mm -hmm. uh, as we had discussed in the previous po PowerCast. And um, he would have metrics of like overall kind of life stress right. and, and how you were doing mentally. And I was consistently so scoring in the red. Yeah. I remember the first day I, I had like a yellow. The first day I had like a yellow. You're off the charts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Well, that's even another point to bring up because actually ever since then I've refined what I do with that metric in that, you know, some people are just always going to score red if you, if yep. you have one scale for everybody, because you know, you're a, you're a much busier guy than somebody else might be. And so, and you're going to have maybe a little bit more stress in your life than a normal person. Is so it now, just you're kind of rating it? Like he's just kind of associating a number to it or something? Yeah. Like so yeah. I have like a Likert scale of one to five of various, uh, different Happy face, parameters. sad face. Yeah. Um, and so based on the score, I actually, now I compare your, your acute score to your chronic score. So that way you're, I'm comparing everybody to themselves. It's kind of like your HRV compares your acute yep. story. There's yep. not one score that's ideal. It's looking at what your average is and then comparing Absolutely. it. And so that, that way, sense. you know, if there's something red, then that really means that you're not recovering or you're more stressed out compared to yourself, not just compared to a, you know, a blanket average. Well, one of the other things I learned, you asked me what I learned in the last two years. One of the other things I learned is everything affects everything. Yep. Right. Like you can't just say, well, you know, um, okay, well, let's say you want to be the best powerlifter in the world. And you want to set a world record, but your other, the rest of your life's in disarray. It's going to affect the way you train. It's yeah. going to affect the way you eat. It's going to affect the way you recover. That's you know? actually, I, I see that a lot actually is people, because fitness is such a tangible thing. Like I can, uh, if I hit a PR that's tangible, I can see that progress that they'll let the rest of their life just basically go to shambles <laughs> in pursuit of mm -hmm. this PR or in pursuit of this plastic trophy or, or whatever the case may be. And so, you know. What is life if all you have is this PR, but the rest of your life is awful and you, you know, the only time you're actually happy is when you're in the gym. That's, you know, that's the kind of stuff you need to work on. Yeah, it makes, it makes a big difference. Uh, Holly, what, what is uh, something that you really like about powerlifting? I know that some women find it to be, or even just lifting weights in general, some women kind of find it to be empowering in some ways. Have you found that or is there anything else in particular that you like about lifting? I really love that you have like immediate gratification from your session. Sometimes. When, well, okay. Yeah. You're going to have <laughs> immediate some good... feedback. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That more to the point. Um, yeah, I guess with bodybuilding, um, immediate frustration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like just having a tantrum walking out. Um, no, I think that it is for somebody that has been, um, so competitive as like from a young age in sport and having, like team sports and I'm just a generally competitive person. So I love bodybuilding, but, um, the fact that you have to go and train for extended, you know, periods of time, 12 weeks, 16 weeks to get ready for this show. Um, 
and you're not really, there's not really any goals other than, hey, look at my body. And then you're being subjectively judged at the end by somebody to tell yeah, you how like you look. it's not necessarily a quote-unquote no, real thing, right? No, there's no, um, you know, measurable thing during the process uh, other than your, your body composition coming down. So for me, I really found um, it enjoyable seeing that progress. Like, okay, today I'm going in for my squats and I'm going to be working on my PR for uh, three rep max. And you hit that and it's like, wow, this is so good. Like, mm -hmm. wow. And then the next time you're really motivated. I just love the, that, um, it just gives you a little bit more because it is a competitive sport. Right? What has the feedback been like, uh, with you doing some power lifting? I'm sure you post some stuff on your Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, are you getting a lot of comments from uh, other women that are like, oh man, I want to try that. Yeah. I think, um, the general conception, and I still don't understand how this still exists, but like so many women just felt like, oh, but if I do that kind of training, oh, I'm, I must be going to get really big and bulky. I'm like, do I look big and bulky? It may be more to the, some people, but mm -hmm. you know, no, like you can have the same outcome from doing bodybuilding and from powerlifting, particularly if you're training to failure, of course, yeah. for powerlifting. That's amazing. That's still a thing amongst women. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible, isn't it? It's like, man, so are, many haven't women. We Dogma sticks past, around. Haven't we yeah. advanced past that? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is um, the, 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 the myth that women shouldn't lift weights is perpetuated by women who fear work and men who fear women. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. It's if you ask true. a lot of men, I mean, most would say that they think a little bit of muscle is sexy, right? I mean, a, uh, a little bit. Sometimes you get, we get a little bit skewed in this industry. Like we're, we're around it. So. Mm -hmm. that's oh, I know plenty of guys that like skinny women. Yeah. But, it's, but some dudes <laughs> don't like it. Well, I think a lot of that, it comes down to, um. Confidence um, in yourself. Confidence. Yeah. Like, sure. um, mm. if you're, if you're not confident in your own physique and now you, yeah. you got this woman who has a, a banging bod, like some really, men don't want to go. You would, I can imagine I, as a I've, male, you'd feel incredibly in superior. Like I've you, known <laughs> dudes who would be like, I don't want to date a 10. I, I want to date Nate because okay. at least then I feel like, you know, I don't feel so scared, you know, like <laughs> these weird. guys, you know, that have a choice between an eight and a 10. <laughs> well, usually the ones that complain about are the ones that are, you know, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know, like, I, you know, I, I think it probably depends, too. Like, it depends on, you know, uh, what the person looks like and, and how they carry themselves and stuff. Because I've sometimes heard, have heard women say, oh, man, that's like, that's way too much. The guy's way too big or he's mm -hmm. got way too many veins or he's I think too one lean. thing we need to keep in mind is, like, who cares what you think about it? Right, well, right. What it should be about is how it makes that person feel. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Like, I, I hate, I hate it. I abhor it. When somebody goes on somebody else's social media and says, well, don't you think you're getting too big? Or don't you think you're this? Or don't you think you're that? You know what? If it makes them happy, how about you just shut the fuck up and let them do what they like to do and what right, makes them right. happy? Like, I don't understand who would want to look like, um, like females that would want to look like a female bodybuilder, but I'm not in a position to judge them. Like if that makes them happy, then who am I to judge? Right. And it's not your right. place to go in and say what makes them happy. It's right? like when... You're going through your injuries. I, I think you get a lot of people on your Instagram are like, well, why are you doing why, that to why yourself? Why did you just retire? Why, why would you put yourself through that? Yeah, why are gonna, you squatting? You're not going to, you're going to be in a wheelchair. You're not going to be able to pick yeah. up your kids or something like that. And it's like, well, this brings him happiness to be yeah. in the gym. It's not your, it's not your, it's not your place to clip other people's wings. Sure. You know what I mean? Right. And one of the things that, listen, if I'd gone to, the other thing is too, if I'd gone to Dr. McGill and he said, listen, you're, you're really, you're on the edge of no return in terms of your body, you need to think about this, then I probably would have had a very serious... What he said to me was, you have a bulging disc. It's going to resolve itself. And I have not had anybody in this position who didn't do exactly what we asked them, who did not get back to full strength. Mm. 
So hearing that, he basically said, you have an acute injury. If you take care of it, if you take the time off, you do the rehab, you're going to get back to full strength. Mm -hmm. So why would I quit doing something I love? For the big, I think some people are yeah. really scared of pain and they're really scared of injuries well, that, and that makes, that freezes them. And well, I'm that not. That perspective is great because it gives you insight into other people. When you, when you see someone who's obese, uh, wolfing down a cheeseburger, right? And you can say, well, maybe that's just, maybe they just like doing that. You see somebody drinking and they get drunk all the time. I mean, it's just, you know. I, I, I've, I've said this before. I've got no problem with somebody who's obese. I've got mm -hmm. no problem with it. If, if if they're a happy person, as long as they don't say the following phrase, oh, I wish I could lose weight. And then I see the behavior and the behavior doesn't yeah, line up with it. Right, right. Then it's kind of right. like, all right. But if you're, if you're obese and you're happy and you have no problems with that, who am I to judge what makes you happy? You know, like I, I think that that's, yeah. now you could argue that the burden on the healthcare system and we all have to pay for it and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I get that. But, you know, for the most part, like, what I see on Instagram that drives me nuts is somebody, oh, somebody commented on her page one time. They were like, well, you'd be more attractive if you didn't do this. And I wanted to be like, well, fortunately, she ain't doing it for you, bro. And I don't think she really cares what you think about her physique. <laughs> yeah. mm. What you got? No, I just wanted to ask, are you um, still implementing Stuart McGill's big three? Yeah. 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 So I do. Uh, in fact, Holly and I both do. The, the biggest things are we do multiple short walks every day. That's a big thing from McGill. Uh, so we do 10, 20 minute walks two, three times a day. And then we do, uh, we do bird dogs, uh, McGill curl ups and side planks, uh, mm -hmm. two to three times a day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, he told me, he's like, we've just got to, he's like, you have in plate fractures, which is normal in people who lift weights and you have a bulging disc. He said, overall, your back is actually in great health. You don't have scoliosis going on. You, your, your shape of your back is great. You know, he's like, you're going to recover. And if you do these things, I ask, you're going to be in a really good position to go oh. back and, and really get strong again. He said, but you got to remember with powerlifting, you're not just breaking down muscle, you're breaking down bone, you know, and you've got to rebuild that bone tissue as well. And, uh, you know, if you're doing really high frequency squatting, you don't have time for that bone to recover. So, um, yeah, so I haven't squatted, uh, for six months until this past week where I did 95 pounds. And then some people were saying, <laughs> some people were saying, well, that's not going to do anything. You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to get a, an adaptation or get stronger from that. And, you know, Andres and Brian Carroll kind of went in and said, well, it's not about the strength. It's about getting him back and relearning how to do the movement in mm -hmm. a way that's not going to reignite that right. pain. Well, and also how do they know? I mean, you yeah. really, you really don't, we really don't know a lot. My of hamstrings were actually tight the next day. Yeah. Like after squatting 95 pounds. Well, if you look at, um, you know, you look at CrossFitters, there's uh, like Matt Frazier, you know, he's won the last two CrossFit games probably dominate again he's just been crushing everybody so far this year as well or uh, rich froning who's won four in a row these guys are very very strong and the training that they did when a strength coach would look at the training that they did they'd be like what the fuck are you doing like right. these are terrible workouts you're not going to get stronger this way meanwhile these guys are getting stronger time and time again they're they're deadlifting close to 600 pounds or they're squatting well over 400 pounds now they don't have the strength of a power because it's not a singular focus strength in on endurance. It. but sometimes i mean there was a girl two years ago uh she they ran like a 5k or something like that and then she did a deadlift ladder where you deadlift uh progressively uh, heavier on each deadlift and i don't remember the breakdown of, of the lifts but on her, like her 10th deadlift she pulled 400 pounds wow. just ran a fucking 5k mm, incredible. Uh, i mean these people are tremendously strong and i think that we don't even really know we don't i mean we know some stuff about what gets you stronger 
but we may not still, we still may have not ever found out the most optimal way. Who knows? Like maybe if we did 50 rep sets, I mean, we show that there's a lot of breakdown on stuff like that, but if, but who's really trying it? Who's done 20 sets of 50 to, to know, yeah, right? It, like, it, 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 it's probably going to depend on the person. Like right, everybody's, yep. you know, just like everybody has a different. certain, a certain maintenance calories. Some people can maintain on higher calories. Some people maintain on lower calories. Some people probably have a higher requirement for uh, sets and reps in terms of dosage than other people. You know, some people can get really, really strong off one set of a squat per week, but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be that way. Right. Yeah, and well, so tailoring it is important. People will, it's going back to what we were saying about how people will read the science and just kind of like take that and just <laughs> like, it has to be this way. This is yeah. the only way, cause this is what this study said. But well, if you look at a study, if you had 20 people in that study that were participants, uh, yeah, the average might've showed that, you know, higher volume is better, but for some of those people, they actually got worse. And yeah. for some of those people, they got really a lot better. And yeah. so then the average somewhere is somewhere, you know, in the middle where they, you know, for most people, quote unquote, they get, they get better, but not for everybody. Holly, yeah. are you just itching to do some bodybuilding stuff or has it been still part of your program? Uh, I am starting to get a little, uh, <laughs> excited <laughs> to do some more isolation work, but, um, yeah, actually our film guy Kabira pulled up a video from, um, a few months back when I was still doing bodybuilding training and, um, yeah, they were some of my best sessions from last year and I'm very excited to, to kind of do it again. But I think as soon as you start a contest prep, you just get in, uh, like it's, it's not a pleasant experience for like the last little bit. So how many yeah. competitions have you done? Um, God, probably. 15 in total, but on like a, an international level, I've, uh, won two world championships in oh, the natural awesome. bodybuilding, um, federations, but, um, yeah, I don't know whether I will continue to do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to teach. I just want people to be able to experience mm -hmm. what I've been able to experience as so far as like that kind of achievement and be able to put their bodies through, um, you know, that process, but safely and, you know, enjoy it. Like I want to help other people do that. Right. Like, um, yeah, that's kind of my I feel thing. the same way about powerlifting. I feel like, mm. uh, and, and since 2006, and it's part of the reason for all the videos, part of the reason for all the podcasts and mm -hmm. books and any other thing that I do, I, I want people to experience it the way I experienced it. Mm. That's yeah. why I'm so passionate about it. And I might get a little out of hand here and there, <laughs> but <laughs> I just love it. And I, I want to bring other people in. That's why the gym's free. I want yeah. to bring other people in and say, hey, check this shit out. This shit's fun. I think that's so, like we do a lot of free content as well. I yeah. think we we just really enjoy coaching. Like yeah. I, I probably enjoy coaching just as well, much as I like doing. you guys are doing skits too. Which yeah, is fun, and we're you know? apparently now actors. <laughs> that <laughs> hey, that's never great. Be. <laughs> that's great. I mean, you got to, there's got to be, you got to show people the fun side of it. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of fun, and since this is super training, I think my body must think it's squat day because... Can I have a two minute reprieve? Oh yeah. Poop and you break. guys, you guys keep going. <laughs> yeah, you guys yeah. keep going and I'll, I'll just duck right back in. Yeah. Because my body must let's run a, let's run a clock on this and see how long this poop <laughs> All right, takes. Ready. And go. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> Over under a four and a half minutes. <laughs> it's 1251. Time is ticking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in there? Yeah. Oh, in. When, uh, so I, I went to Australia, um, shit, probably like a decade ago or so. And, um. Like, as soon as I landed and started talking to these guys that, that picked me up from the airport, they're like, okay, like, you don't want to see kangaroos. I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> like, no, just trust us. You don't. They're fucking stupid. They're everywhere. You don't want to see kangaroos. Yeah, they're they're aggressive. Yeah, and, are they uh, really everywhere? It it was uh it was it was pretty funny because you know like they they thought that that was gonna be my first. I didn't even say anything yet, but it's like just trust me. You don't want. I ended up seeing them, and yeah. they were they were pretty cool. But <laughs> it was just funny that it's like uh it's you know so uncommon here. Uh-huh. You know, to you guys, it's probably as common as like a deer. Yeah, would be here, and you're and it was just funny the way that they kind of presented it. No, well, I actually it's funny we had we would have visitors and people we would bill it people and athletes like when I was a kid still living at home and. Uh, I think we convinced a fair majority of people that, you know, if you come to Australia, we, oh, we used to ride a kangaroo to school, you know, like we didn't, oh, mom didn't need to take us in the <laughs> car. Like you just jump on a kangaroo's back and they'd be like, yep. really? Or oh you get God. in their pouch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You just climb right in. They let you. But uh, a funny story about. That doesn't seem safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not the most safe uh, mode of transport. But uh, so my parents' house, um, my dad, he's a metal worker and he had this beautiful big fence um, at the front of our house and property. And he'd put all these new like shrubs in our front lawn and he had, he hated kangaroos because they'd come in and they, they love all of the, the, the flower. <laughs> so one day my sister and I like looking out the window and I was like, dad, have you, what, what is the spear over there in the side of the garden? He's like, oh, that's for the kangaroos, Holly. And I was like, what, really? You're going to, you're going to spear the kangaroos? So I think he just did it as like a, I don't know, try to scare mm. us. But one day he had to go out and uh, he saw these, the kangaroos like eating his, uh, his flowers. And he, instead of using the spear, cause we were watching, he grabbed this kangaroo by the back of its tail and did like a big alley-oop up and over the, up and over the over fence. fence and its butt got, no, it got stuck in the fence actually. And it was trying to get through. So that's why he had to throw it over. But yeah, they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> so I've plenty of close up experiences with kangaroos. Yeah. Uh, you uh, mentioned, uh, you know, maybe the, uh, at least your experience, uh, some methods being kind of uh, old school here. Um, what else have you noticed from the United States, positive or negative? Like what other kind of like hurdles have you? kind of run into since you've only been here for what a few months right yeah um i actually think that the the people here are really really friendly um i know we're certainly in a quieter area in um in florida and it's a lot more relaxed but um for the most part i find the american society like very um supportive of one another i think the the culture in australia is you know no one wants to let anyone get too big and if you do get too big then you're kind of frowned upon and you're an outcast Mm. like uh, the, the tall poppy syndrome, like I remember my mom was like, you know, don't say anything that will get you in trouble or, you know, don't basically don't have an opinion. Right. And I'm like, well, uh, yeah, nah. So I, I really find that I have adapted to the, the outgoingness of the yeah, U.S. Like individuality, huh? Yeah. And that independence, mm-hmm. I think, um, it's, it's very different to the Australians. It's, um, you know, if you're doing really well in Australia, you're probably, you know, people try to put you down mm-hmm. and, uh, they, you know, they don't want to support your, your cause. So, um, yeah, I think that is something that I found really, really awesome. Yeah. Here. It's been a big change. What about the food? I hate the food. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Terrible is it, here. Is it easier or harder here. having celiacs? Here uh, or in Australia? It's actually much harder. I found yeah. it really difficult to find, um, you know, fresh foods. Mm-hmm. I think um, we're very spoilt back home because of the diversity of cultures. There's a lot of fresh food here. I feel like there's a lot of... He's back. He's back. Oops, so yeah, we're long back. Was it? it was he's four little, minutes. He's a little sweaty. That's pretty now good. Now I can put more, I can put more fluid down now because I'm holding <laughs> it in. No, but to answer your question, I think, uh, yeah, the, the food culture here is 
probably not uh, quite to the standard mm-hmm. of uh, Australia. We just don't do the fried food thing. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's where seems, do you live in Australia? I've lived in multiple places. I grew up in Tasmania for 18 years of my life or 17 years. Tasmania. Yeah. It's it the sounds li- so cool. The little, it is cool. Beautiful. But <laughs> four seasons. Uh, and then for university, I was in uh, Melbourne, Victoria for seven years studying. And then I got tired of the cold weather there. I love the hot weather, hence probably why I'm in Florida now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was up in uh, Queensland in um, Surface Paradise, just south of um, Brisbane, the capital. So, mm. yeah. My friend uh, lived in Tasmania for uh, like about 10 years, but it was because he was uh, incarcerated. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. His, name, his name is Nathan Jones. He was a former uh, strongman competitor. Um, he's actually in the movie Troy. He, oh, he's, uh, hmm. he's that giant that gets slayed by, uh, Brad Pitt huh. in the movie. Yeah. I have seen that movie. Yeah. He was, uh, he robbed some banks and did some crazy shit, but he's six foot 10. I'm like robbing oh. banks at six foot 10 doesn't seem like a good, you can't yeah. blend in. No. Can't blend into society. So yeah, where's the, let's, let's see. Slouch. Let's have a lineup yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the fucking huge one. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. Yeah, it's that giant guy in the yeah. middle. Yeah. Oh man. Do you That's think uh, having celiacs like helped or hurt your strength gains for powerlifting? Because it kind of pigeonholes you in a certain yeah, area. You got to eat a certain way. Yeah. You yeah. do. It really does. Um, yeah. I find it very hard to get into a good training groove just because of my dietary choices. Like it really affects my energy levels mm-hmm. and like comfort. Like you're trying to train and you're in pain. Like it's not an ideal situation. Yeah, so, so it's frustrating um, because. You're still in pain? Even with getting rid of the gluten? Yeah, but the thing is, like, there are so many foods that are um, products that are incorrectly labeled uh, mm-hmm. um, that have trace. Like, it really, if you wanted to be true, um, you know, adherence, you would just have to eat, like, fresh foods and cook everything yourself. And that's just not a reasonable expectation mm. in today's age. So, um, yeah. yeah Especially because she, she's entrepreneur, owns her own business as well. So it's like, right. you know, mm. both of us are trying to, balance out the chores with doing our our reports have you ever tried anything like just totally different food wise to try to get a better result with how you, I would, how you feel you know what i would be interested to see like obviously there's a lot of well there is clear research to support like a gluten-free diet but um i don't know enough about this but i've certainly seen with some of the um like common allergens so like uh seafood allergies and peanut mm-hmm. allergies the new um uh, method or they're certainly in testing phase like to try and get rid of some of these is to actually introduce very small trace amounts of those like oh, for anaphylaxis. Yeah, they do that with lactose yeah yeah or mm-hmm. for anaphylaxis like they're trying to now give kids of a really uh, yeah. young age hey have some nuts like right, in controlled right, right. portions to try and dull that um mm-hmm. you know that sensitivity to those um to those to the immune response. To, to, yeah. and, th- and that's mm. the difference between those, like an intolerance or a sensitivity versus like a celiac, because actually the more you consume gluten, the worse it gets Yeah. Um, because it chops down your villi. So mm. that, that, that glitty and that protein that she mentioned, your body attacks that like a foreign invader and the inflammation just like if mm. your villi are kind of fingers mm. that stick out your small intestine that absorb nutrients, they just, they get chopped down you know, to the point uh, where they can't absorb anything. Rob Wolf has a book called Get Wired. Mm-hmm. And I think some of Rob Wolf's approaches are pretty good. Um, one of the things he does is just kind of cuts out certain foods for, for a while. And he just kind of goes around and cuts out various things. Um, 
something like that might be a worthy try. Even something like a carnivore diet, which doesn't sound like it makes any sense at all. Um, I've tried it and I, and I like well, that, it. That would work just fine for me because yeah. it's, there's elimination no gluten. Diet. Yeah. It's, yeah, we, yeah. We do a lot of uh, elimination diets with. Yeah. That's what, that's what Rob Wolf kind of pointing out. Like just yep. getting rid of like all these different things, even though maybe rice doesn't have uh, gluten in it, but maybe there's still something triggering something else. Right. Oh right. yeah. There's a lot of unknowns, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, it would be pretty cool to go and do some more research into that. It's just like. When you have, there's so many interests that I would love to be involved in, but you kind of have to narrow it down a little yeah. bit because there's only so much time in a day. So, um, yeah, right now, like focusing on our uh, nutrition work is definitely priority number one. What do you think makes the food better in Australia? Um, I just think that not everything is fried. <laughs> oh. There's a lot oh. of uh, fresh. Oh, it's so like even if you go to a restaurant. Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, they're. Food presentation is amazing. Like there's a lot of, um, you know, effort put in. Don't worry. Cause we'll, we'll go over there and we'll ruin it. Right. Okay. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, we're probably about 10 years off from probably totally ruining the entire world with our food. Wow. Australia is, um, they have a great cafe culture. Like, mm. um, yeah, we don't have that here. There's no cafe culture here. Like that. Well, I there is, but what it's do in downtown areas. What do you mean by cafe? There's just street cafes. Street everywhere. cafes everywhere. Like seating on the outside is mm. usually like pretty common. Like p breakfast, going out for breakfast is probably. Sounds like you guys just need to move. Like there's cities <laughs> that have. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you fuck do you live? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Off U.S. Highway 41. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. Um, no, I, I, have noticed like it, it, bigger city, bigger cities here definitely have yeah. the, the, um, the food culture. Manhattan. <laughs> Go to Manhattan. Someone there's, take me there. <laughs> there's some crazy, <laughs> Show crazy me food the, there. The Americas. <laughs> but it is fucking expensive. Hint, hint. It is expensive. Yeah. Well, that's, Manhattan's that's the thing. Expensive. Well, Australia you've got this is very great, expensive too. Yeah, you've got yeah. the, well, that's the thing. And you've got this great food presentation, all this stuff. You pay for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you pay mm -hmm. for it. Like I was talking to her about like some of her costs over there. I'm like, how do people save money over there? And she's like. Oh, unless you're rich, nobody really saves money. Mm. You just make mm. enough to where you can live well. Mm. I was like, because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a saver. I like to be able mm. to save. You know, I'm just thinking, like, eh, how do you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just it's very, very different culture. You know, it's kind of more consumerist, like even more so than us. Like spend everything you make, but <laughs> at least you have nice things. That's right. kind of the the way they do it. Mm. Yeah. When I was in Paris, I mean, I noticed like, uh, first of all, I noticed that so many people smoke. Oh my God. There was just a lot of smoking really? going on. And I also Europeans. noticed that people really don't eat. Like in, in Eng when I was in England, I noticed that a lot of the people were heavy. When I went to France, I noticed that there was a lot less people that were heavy. Um, but I also noticed that when people were at, there's kind of cafes like you're describing, like there's mm -hmm. outdoor seating mm -hmm. and you would see, you know, 50 people at, at each restaurant that you walked by and there would be an entire street full of restaurants. Mm -hmm it would be really rare to see anybody with any food. It was just mm. alcohol and cigarettes. Mm. It's like, holy shit. Great diet. Mm. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I nicotine is a powerful appetite suppressant. Yeah, You I've see heard. people who, who stop mm. smoking. Yeah, they gain, gain 20 pounds. A lot of weight. Mm. There's multiple yeah. reasons for that, but one is oral fixation. You know, so instead of having a cigarette to put in their yeah. mouth, they're, they're eating food or snacks. Uh, the other thing is, again, is nicotine is an extremely powerful appetite suppressant. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In fact, I, it's funny. I knew a the natural nicotine body, diet. I knew a natural bodybuilder who was like, had this big moral stand against steroids, but then he would smoke during contest prep <laughs> because it helped dull his, 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 his uh, hunger down. I'm like, mm. did you don't yeah. see like a little cognitive dissonance there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> steroids are unhealthy, but cigarettes are fine, you know? Holly, how'd you get into lifting? Um, uh, that's a really... 
Good question. How did I? Um, so uh, when I was living in uh, Melbourne, I was studying and um, one of my jobs, I had quite a few actually during my university career, uh, was personal training. So I just really enjoyed fitness. Obviously, I had a background in sports, so I wanted to keep keep with something that I was familiar with. But um, I had a gym at one point in uh, Melbourne and that was probably more in line with like fitness, endurance. You owned a gym? Yeah, part oh. owner, yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess I kind of stepped away from that for a little while and I don't know, I guess I just wanted something to do. I enjoyed fitness. Mm. I wanted to do some kind of training, but the thing with uh, it, most individual sports was like athletics. I couldn't really do it when um, that kind of fit the rest of my lifestyle, trying to right. study. So like to go down to the running track and train with a group for athletics, it just wasn't an option for me. So I found mm. like going to the gym, I could still exercise and <coughs> keep fit, but I didn't have to do it on someone else's clock. So I think that's probably what. Um, when you were uh, running, did you, uh, did you lift then or no? Uh, we did some work, um, but it was a lot more plyometric um, gotcha. stuff, if if any. Um, and I was a lot younger too, mm. so um, yeah. The, to be a good sprinter, you just sprint a lot. I found, <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah. it's definitely an explosive component. And Who strength. would uh, win in a race? Uh, I reckon I would. <laughs> mm. I had a quick. I had a quick PR for my hundred meter sprint. I did eleven seven, eleven seven seven. That was fast. Yeah, I was. It was good. I competed for Australia, so. That was way That's back. really fast. It's <laughs> really fast. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Not anymore. I'd probably, yeah. I struggle to run across our highway to get out of the way of cars. <laughs> so probably, probably not going to be very good at sprinting right now. But I think naturally I have a lot of fast. It is a perishable fibers. skill. Oh. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, she, she went from pretty much not lifting weights to being like natural world champion in like a year. Yeah. So she has good the genetics. <laughs> and, uh, actually we were sitting down, uh, uh, Eric Helms was with us and we we're all talking about something and oh, yeah, Eric was, yeah, they might've been a little, everybody might've been a little bit inebriated and a little bit more liable to say what they thought, but Eric now hates me. You know, Eric's kind of a hard gainer <laughs> and Eric was just mentioning about, he's like, well, you know, I, I just have such a hard time putting on muscle and Holly's, Holly's sitting over there thinking, not hard to put on muscle. I have to stop myself from putting on muscle. Uh, I think like, I said to him, I was like, I only have to look at a weight, Eric, and I, I gain muscle on my shoulders. Like, what are you doing? You're doing it all wrong. So she's like, she's like, well, if you just let yourself gain some more weight. And Eric's like, well, I, I tried that. I just, I get fat. And she's like, what if you just let yourself gain muscle? Like, like Eric's like preventing himself from gaining muscle. And I'm like, here's this PhD on the, the open stay, you know? And, uh, yeah, she, uh, finally, I think she kind of got the hit, but Eric was like, trying to convince her to go do WNBF Worlds. He's like, Holly, just like, cause he's looking at like her structure. And he's like, just go win WNBF Worlds. It was like, or go do W, like not to say that she would win if she did it, but like, she's got a great physique and she was obviously like, we talked about everybody has certain gifts that they have, you know, she's always been able to, to, to put on muscle. Like, yeah, uh, but I'm a, a terrible deadlifter. My arms are like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like I am not cut <laughs> to do that. I am nervous as heck for my deadlift tomorrow. <laughs> sumo, conventional? I sumo, sumo, but like just deadlifting mm, does not agree. Although bench pressing, I should be really good at that because my arms are about the length. Yeah, of I my... think you said she does like one, 170, 165, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think she's going to be somewhere in that in that range. Yeah. Mm. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be it's our first meet, so we're, we're our goal is to go, I think the goal is to go nine for nine. Where's that yeah. squat at? Squat is currently, I have not actually tested my squat for an RPE 10 yet, but I did a 265 the other day and an RPE 8, so. 
Nice. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's not good by all means. But deadlift. Like, deadlift. I've pulled three ten for a single, but that was like way back. I, yeah. I don't know where I'm at. She's I, had I've a little had... bit of a uh, nagging injury that's been keeping her from deadlifting mm. to her full potential. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So. This is an odd concept. In the training, mm-hmm. you're not going 110% all the time? No, not. That's amazing. And you're still getting results. Still getting <laughs> results. It's really weird. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes you just have to adapt to the person, like I was saying earlier. Yeah. She's... Most, most of the times we want to hit those big yeah. max, max lifts on game day, on Absolutely. the platform, right? Yeah, there's no sense in, in her hitting PRs in the gym if her goal is to hit PRs on the platform, right? How do you prep somebody for a powerlifting meet? Like, um, <clears throat> obviously there's quite a bit of training leading up to it, but let's just say maybe the last two weeks, like what, like whatever, or maybe three weeks, mm-hmm. what are we doing going into this competition? Uh, so for me, what I like to do is, uh, you know, I try to get a sense of something heavy, like about two weeks out, I'll have them do something a lot, like pretty heavy, but still not all out, uh, PR attempt. Just Maybe to get a, a eight, yeah, seven, get, get an eight, um, you know, RP. eight or a nine, just something that I can um, assess and put into my head of what I think they can hit on meet day, especially gotcha. given you know the atmosphere. Um, and then from there, it's a, it's really about getting them, you know, their fatigue is high because they've just been doing, you know, hellish training for the last you know few weeks. Um, so what I need to do is get their fatigue down and let their fitness shine through. Um, and so when the fatigue comes down like that, then, uh, they're able to manifest that training into, um, you know, PRs on the platform if we do it correctly. Um, so basically the volume comes down, uh, we hit, we touch on the intensity a little bit, we get them more rest, you know, I, you know, give them some pointers and what they could do to, to recover better and all that stuff. And, and then, uh, kind of talk about reducing the sets and the reps. And, yeah. Yeah. And so is, we'll, it, but the weight may, may go up a little bit. It may uh, go up. It may go up. It's all depending on how they're feeling and you know, what their body is. Previous is history. I'm sure. Absolutely. Is a factor, right? Um, you know, like as an example with Lane going into raw nationals, uh, he, you know, he was getting banged up and so we couldn't really touch anything that was super heavy for him. Um, you know, on an absolute scale, but I had to get him to touch at least something that was relatively heavy for what he could do on that day. And, uh, you know, that ended up working out for him pretty well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things he said to me was you got to try not to judge the process. Yes. Like, you know what, what this is, what it is. Cause a week out, I was supposed to hit a six ten squat for reps. I grinded out a single Mm-hmm. And then I missed 585 on a deadlift mm-hmm. and then I went back and got pissed off and got it, but it was not smooth, did not feel good, felt terrible. And so a lot of I, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean a lot, but right? it's hard I mean, to get out of your own head when you're a lifter, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, you yeah. think if you, well, I hit a 700 something deadlift, I should be able to do that any day. And it's just yeah. not a reasonable expectation. So I borrow, and, um, I borrow on the, uh, on the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, phrase, trust the process. Uh, <laughs> just trust the We're process. We're sandbagging uh, every week until the meet, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, I was, I think, I think I, I texted Holly this, um, a week or two ago and I said, if you go in the gym and you have a bad session and you didn't lift more than you did last week, don't feel bad about it. I don't really expect you to hit a PR right now. And and if you go backwards a step, that's just data for me to use. So don't, don't judge yourself because you weren't stronger on that day. Just do what you can for that day and be happy with it. And then, you know, we'll get you it's in the a, place you need to be. Interesting. Like lift, lifting and sprinting are actually very similar. Like you don't go out and sprint no. full blast to get, to get faster, right? 
Not always, no. It's uh, a lot of different distances, a lot of different intensities. Um, working on a lot of different things, working on drills, working on your start and all these things, right? Yeah. God, it seems like a mile mile ago that I actually did sprinting. Yeah. But yes, it's the same kind of principle. Like you're not going out, um, especially like the lead up two weeks, more so the last week, you have a full week of taper almost for a sprint mm. meet. But um for sprinting, did you just like not do anything the week, the week, uh, we, of the we would, but like, okay, three or four weeks out of like a competition day or a schedule, you'd be doing maybe three or four or four training sessions a week. And then in the last week you might have a hit out on like two days before, but you would just do like four run throughs, like, mm-hmm. you know, accelerations where you're starting mm-hmm. at 30%, you finish at 90% and that's your training. Or you might do a couple of block starts five or six days out and that's it. Like you it's don't really easy it. stuff, maybe a little mental prep. While you're doing yeah, a lot there. of a lot of mental prep. Um, yeah, so I guess it, this is very similar in yeah. that sense. But. What's interesting is all of our kind of tapering data that we have that we apply to powerlifting is just from sprinting. Yep. And yeah. from yeah. Track. Yeah. Nobody's actually ever studied like what is an optimal taper for powerlifting. Mm-hmm. If I if I went back and did a master's in exercise science, this is what I want to study. Um, like what is actually a good taper? Because I can tell you like what they say is okay. Well, maintain intensity but taper volume by fifty percent. It's mm-hmm. kind of the the standard. Uh, I could tell you like the week before nationals, I would not have been able to maintain my intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in fact, Andres said, so I had that session I talked about that was a week out. That was garbage. I was feeling pretty bad after that. I'm like, how the hell am I going to pull, you know, anywhere close to anything I've done before? And then he said, okay, well this week you're not going to touch that. Or you, you, I want you to go into an RPE seven, uh, on, I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday mm-hmm. and then go out. And I was warming up on squats. I got to 465, which I usually do for a single on the warm up. Did the rep, and I go, "Fuck, that was an RP7." Mm. Yeah. I texted Andres. He goes, "Walk out of the gym." <clears throat> yep. So, and then I went up. I got to 495 on deadlift, RP7. Walked out of the gym, and I just, I just, you know, he was like, "You need to rest as much as possible this week." So we actually we got to Orlando early. Um, I think it was left on Wednesday, and uh, my parents came down. Everybody came down. And I just literally, how long did I sit in that hot tub at the pool? You pretty much just lived in that All day. (laughs) I just sat there and I just relaxed as much as I could. And I had a pec tweak, which is what ended up really limiting me. And one of the reasons I didn't place better than seventh, but I was still happy with seventh considering everything that had happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I, you know, I missed the 655 squat in terms of getting Mm -hmm. two to one red to white. We, it was going back, checking the tape. It was good. But again, uh, that's not disrespectful to the right. referees or anything like yeah. that. Actually, there was a mess up on that too, because it was supposed to be 650. We had called for 650 mm-hmm. and they actually misloaded one side. Oh shit! And uh, people got all pissed off about that. But uh, yeah. like the guy who misloaded actually came up to me after the meet and was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, Hey man, it, it wasn't the reason I missed the lift. Right. <laughs> I missed it because of depth, you know, which was really close, but I thought I had it. I think looking at the tape, it looks like I had it, but you know, shit, you, you, you win some, you lose some. Like yeah, I was at the, happen, I was at the Arnold in 2015 and I got a press command that I jumped and I got two to one white, white to red. There was my pittance right there. Yeah, you right. know, like I got one and I lost one. So, but then heading into deadlift. I mean, I was telling Andres, people were like, what do you think you're going to pull? I'm like, I got no idea. Yeah. I have no idea what I'm going to pull. Like, and we started very conservatively. I think yeah. we opened up at like 622, which is the lightest really? I've ever opened. Yeah. I mean, I, I took really big jumps with you, which I don't yeah. normally like to do, but it's just what we had yeah. to do. We went 622 and then like 689 for my second attempt. Yeah. And, uh, but then, you know, we got there and we knew we weren't, I wasn't going to win, but he was like, he's like, you want to try for a PR? And I said, well, do you think I've, do you think I've got it in me? And he said, yep, it's going to be tough, but yeah, you mm-hmm. can do it. So I, I just, you know, that was where 
I just recently by, uh, not by my own, uh, decision had been, uh, had gotten out of a company that was, uh, something I'd helped start. And it was a very stressful time for me. I was involved in some legal stuff, uh, with regards to that. And, uh, I just remember thinking, putting everything in that lift and thinking, we're fucking going home happy today. Like yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hit a fuck. I'm going to put everything I got into this PR. And actually Holly took a video and Andres is like, I'm like, I want you to slap me. Like, I want you to give it to me. And he just like, poof, like, yeah. And nailed it, still, me. it still wasn't hard enough. Apparently. Yeah. Nailed me like a few different times, but, uh, yeah, I ended up pulling it. It was pretty smooth too. What was it? Uh, 716. So nice. 325 deadlift. So all the reds, you know? And, uh, yeah, afterwards she was like, if you told me, She's like, how the hell did you do that? Like, if you told me a week ago that you were going to, I would have said you were crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. But it just goes to show, like, when you dissipate fatigue, especially with me, I get a lot out of meat day. You never know what you can actually do on meat day if you dissipate that fatigue. So the preparation before all that, um, in the, in, in the beginning of training mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. probably to bring up that fitness level. Yes. And then in short beat the fucking shit out of somebody so they're fatigued and they're they've done a lot of work yep. and you reduce the fatigue the fit fitness as you said shines mm -hmm. through right yes absolutely so like not to get too the fitness we're just basically saying like you know work strength. capacity ability right. strength yeah all those factors. right so we spend that time building up his work capacity or his fitness um and that's steadily climbing and as the things get heavier it's still climbing um but all of that volume is building a lot of fatigue and then, uh, you know, by the time you get to those heavier lifts, your fatigue is accumulated to a point where now, even though you're on lower volume, the hit to your nervous system from doing heavy squats or heavy deadlifting, especially is making that fatigue climb even higher. And so you get to a point where your overall performance looks bad because your fatigue is right. dampening you so much. And then once you relieve that, you see the true, you know, it's almost within, it's almost like within a training session, um, in the beginning of the workout is where you're the strongest. The end of the workout is where you're weakest is right. because, uh, you've already fatigued yourself. Yep. You know, you go to try to heavy deadlift at the end of a workout where you did a bunch of back stuff, you did a bunch of other things. Yep. It's going to be very hard to lift, lift that weight up off the ground. And this is a similar principle, just stretched out over. Stretched out. Yeah. So what do you do? Period. You go home, you get a good night's rest. And then the next day or the next week after you've you know, taking a week off of that lift or something, or a few days, you're stronger. Do you guys take almost the whole week off of training or is it just like a little yeah. bit of stuff in there? So nor I mean, I kind of, again, like with Lane, I'd had to adjust things. Normally you'd want, so I'd want somebody to go in like on Monday, if their meet is on Saturday yeah. and touch something relatively, you know, heavy, maybe like a, you know, a single at an eight, uh, like an opener kind of thing. Um, with Lane, he was so far down the hole that I told him, you can't do that. You're going to have to go lighter. We're going to have to just rest. Uh, with Holly, I was able to have her do something a little heavier. Um, and you know, so I, everything is a little bit, you got to adapt, mm. you know? And that's way different than you were training before, because I yeah. remember when you said, whenever you traveled somewhere, you were like, you know, crazy about finding a gym. And mm -hmm. even when you traveled to meets, like you would lift, uh, on like Thursday or something like that. And the contest was Saturday or something. Yeah, like I that, mean, right? before worlds, the Wednesday, before Worlds, I did uh, four sets of five with 520, you know, <laughs> on squat. Yeah. And that was easy for me at that point. You right. know, because oh, it just kind of goes to show you like different methods work. Different yeah. methods can work. And, and, you know, like not, I'm not poo pooing that because I got really strong yeah. that way. Like I will never, people, oh, you must regret the weight. And not, I'm not trying to, to toot my own horn too much, but I'm not a guy who looks like a great swatter. 
Right. If you if you're walking around at IPF Worlds backstage with me and you're taking bets on who's going to squat the most, I'm going to be the last guy. Yeah. 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 Right. In fact, I should have got I should have done some hustling back there. That's right. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I was able to set a world record at an IPF meet. And I know the world record gets thrown around a lot mm-hmm. in powerlifting, and it wasn't an all-time world record or anything like that. But the IPF Worlds is the biggest meet in powerlifting, and it's there's one it's way. Fa- that's totally fair statement. Yeah. There's one way to get it there. Is. To win nationals. To win nationals, I had to beat 150 other dudes. All right? That's the only way you get an automatic invite there. And when you get there and you realize, hey, by the way, these 20 guys you're competing against all won the national title in their country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You start to realize like that that's, you can actually get pretty intimidated and realize that's a pretty big freaking deal. Um, so for me to be able to do that, you know, no, I don't regret a damn thing. If I broke both my femurs, I wouldn't have regretted a damn thing because that's, I can always say, and I don't want to live in the past, but I can always say, hey man, I did that. And I'm very, very proud of that. I'm not afraid to say that I'm proud of that. I think that's like, like frowned upon. Like people don't want to say that you're like proud of something you've done. Like I'm proud of my PhD. I'm proud of my, that squat world record I set. I don't see anything wrong with that. If that makes me arrogant, then so be it. You know, but people say that I'm like, well, you should go get a PhD. I have one. It's great. How'd you guys meet? Uh, I was on a seminar tour. So, uh, just, you know. You don't come across somebody who's like... You got both these guys from a seminar tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I actually knew... Um, so uh, Iron Tanks is our sponsor. Yeah. Um, and Sam, the owner of Iron Tanks, actually went to the same university as I did. I actually worked uh, with him for a little while at school. And um, yeah, he actually had invited me down to the Australian Arnold Expo to help out on the day and just talk to people. Uh, obviously having a science and nutrition background, uh, helped his decision with that. And Lane was actually there and I'd only just kind of started to, uh, look out for external influences, I guess, in my own learnings and had come across Lane and Sam was like, oh yeah, by the way, um, Dr. Norton's going to be there. I'm like, wow, this is cool. I just watched a podcast. I just listened to a podcast like a few days ago. So, um, yeah, I was going to interview Lane and yeah, I met him at the, the Arnold's in Melbourne and. Got more than you bargained for with that. Yeah, yeah oh, I was going to say, a what a hell of meeting. an interview. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry about that. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it's, you know, you just don't meet somebody who's like, you know, same values into the same kind of stuff you're into, hard worker, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, like it's cool to to work alongside some, because, you know, we're, we're partners, but we're also business partners, you yeah. know, like we're, so we're working together pretty much every day coming up with stuff and it's, uh. It's a pretty rewarding feeling. It's frustrating sometimes, you know, but it's a pretty rewarding feeling too. Yeah, it's funny. Like if we, we would try to go out for dinner and we're like, okay, let's not talk about work tonight. And uh, like oh, within you five set minutes. A timer. Yeah, you set a timer. It's, it's like, okay, well, we stuffed up. Well, <laughs> it's, funny, about work again. it's funny because like. Um, and take notes. It, it's funny <laughs> because I, I've been doing kind of the entrepreneur thing a little bit longer than she has. So uh, I think I'm able to kind of shut it down like when I need to, when it's time to, to, to go. Now I still have a problem with being on my phone. Like that's, I've gotten better about it, but I still have a problem with that. Um, but I'm able to kind of shut it down. Whereas if she has like emails in her inbox or if she has a client plan that she needs to get done, like she can't relax. I'm the crazy one that's sitting there at 2am in the morning. Like, Oh, I've still got an email, babe. I'll come in soon. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's tough, but you have to like, you have to put limits on it. Cause otherwise like, and I'm like, even Paul said, the same thing. He's like, you know, Lane, you will just work, you know, mm. cause I enjoy my work yeah. and like, I like to occupy my time. So, but it's also, again, like one of those things where you realize you have limited time and you have to devote 
time towards personal relationships, friendships, all that sort of stuff. Like it, you have to make decisions. Yeah. For my wife and I, I mean, we're, we'll literally kind of set a timer and say, you know, if we go out to eat for sushi or something like that, we're like, all right, well, because we have to talk about business because, yeah. because, uh, I mean, we don't have to have to, we could talk about it at home. But it's what you're passionate else. about. Well, we're passionate about it, but we also don't get five seconds to talk to each other right? because we have kids and there's a lot of other things going on. So when we sit down, it's always like, okay, I'm going to say my piece about, you know, this, this, and this, and then, <laughs> and then you go, you know, and we got 15 minutes and boom, it's done. Mm-hmm. Have some drinks, Fuck have that some Lane fun. Norton. Yeah. <laughs> but what happened, yeah, that's right. Lane Norton. You know what? Isn't that guy an asshole? He's an yes, asshole. A- absolutely. He's an asshole. <laughs> It always comes back to that for some of reason course. every single time. Things about me. But then other things will pop up, you know, as we get in conversation about the kids or family, you know, it'll sneak back in there. Then what we try to do is just kind of take notes on it. Just, just if something like an idea pops up or, Hey, we should mm. do this, just make a note of it and then just keep cranking, keep moving through and keep moving on, you know? Yeah. It's mm. tough when you're passionate about something, you know, yeah. we're, all three of us are entrepreneurs here, you know, yeah. who have worked together in some capacity like Andres is. So the workout builder on the site that I, I talked about last time, uh, shameless plug, um, <laughs> on biolane.com, Andres helped build a lot of that, you know, so he's been involved with us as well. Uh, we've got more collaborations coming up in the future, but you know, I'm sure it's the same thing. Like when you're trying to build something, it's, it's really hard because what's the sexy thing for an entrepreneur right now. It's the, and I, I love Gary Vandercheck stuff, but I think he also does a good job of, of pointing it out. It's like, you know, if you want to be like the best, Husband or father or all that, like, it's going to take away from your entrepreneur stuff. Yeah, like, there's you really be balance. Honest. Like, yeah, balance you... does not exist. Like, it's a tangible. Yeah, you know, yeah. He said that he has that. an agreement. You know, he has an agreement, like, with his family and with his wife and stuff that he's just not always going to be there. Yeah. You know? And, mm. uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll regret it later on, but that's what he's doing. That's that's what he decided to do. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, uh, something Aaron Singerman said to me one time, he's the owner of Redcon One, friend of mine, and uh, he he's like... He, he loves uh, kids. He loves his kids. But he's like, what I'm putting in now in terms of time-wise, we could have 50 kids. This is what I can devote. Hmm. And I, at yeah. first when I heard that, I'm like, man, that's kind of jerk thing to say. But now I, I get it more. Right. You know, like it's like, no, that's, that's if you're going to do everything is a choice. And if you're going to do one thing, it's taken away from another thing. And it doesn't, you just got to decide where you're going to put your time and energy. Mm. And sometimes business has got to come first. Sometimes family's got to come first. You know, but obviously like, Things change and you got to kind of fly by the seat of your pants sometime. If something comes up, you know, one of your kids is sick or something mm-hmm. like that. Now, okay, well, now we got to focus on the kids regardless of what we had going on for business. Right. right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Like I had food poisoning the other week. Oh. And oh my God. And I was like, well, sorry, babe. You're going to listen to me whine all day. You know? Yeah. It's so killing it's, you, right? Yeah. It's just, it, you know, but you have to understand that everything's a choice. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is being like as somebody that has kind of gone through adulthood, very independent, very like business minded and driven. And I've had the ability to kind of do things at my leisure. Um, Yeah. Now moving to U.S., like just being in a relationship, that's one that's one big thing that's different. But also like having the kids, that has been um, such a big like eye opener, like my respect for parents, like and how you like you know, split up your time in the day. Like it is incredibly difficult, especially as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, and you know, a lot of things you've got to do some things by yourself. So, you know, if you're working late, then you're working late. Like, you know, if you you want to have time for all those things. so That's why I like to wake up early, you know, and everyone's a little different on, on their schedule. Some people like Mm -hmm. to work a little bit later and, you know, for me, I'll I'll wake up at four o'clock just to, 
you know, try to get ahead of the day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I leave here, I'm just going to be hanging with my kids and hanging with my wife and get your work done early. And yeah, I get, I get it all done. And, and, uh, you know, the same, the same thing goes with like my food or any of it. Like if I'm going to, like I utilize intermittent fasting here and there, I'm going to fast. It's going to be, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like the morning through mid afternoon, late afternoon, I try to make it like difficult. It's work related. It's diet related. Mm -hmm. It's all those things. I go home. It's time to eat dinner. It's time to hang out with the kids and shut everything down. And, uh, then I, I work towards trying to get it to bed on time, which is like a fight. Like you have to, you have to, you have to, um, respect that time. That's an important time. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing is like, again, if you are going to, okay, we say we need to get sleep. Sleep's really important. You need to be a great entrepreneur. That's what you want. You need to be a good dad. Well, something's got to mm -hmm. give somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and that's, that's, you know, you know, Arnold had a famous speech. He's like, you know, you say you need eight hours of sleep a night. I say sleep faster. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Six hours of sleep a night and you have two more hours to do something that somebody else can't do. But, <laughs> sorry, that's my really bad Arnold voice. Um, but, okay, well now you're shortchanging yourself on sleep, maybe jeopardizing yeah. your health a little bit, your recovery, that sort of thing. So where is, where is that thing that's going to give? Cause at some point something's got to give. And I think you've, you've, I mean, you've built a much bigger business than I ever have, but delegating. Yeah. That's, right. you know, and they find that I think studies have shown people are happier when they pay for services that allow them to have more time as opposed to paying for things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I could cut my own lawn, but I don't do it because I'd rather spend that time putting towards other things. Right. You know, I don't clean my pool because... Yeah. And I if you're going to, and if you're going to delegate, you have to like legitimately do it too. You know, you have to like legitimately say, I'm, I'm going to put this off on you. And, and then you're not going to like check up on him every five seconds. Mm -hmm. If he's doing something for the site, something you guys are working on together, then that that's the way it, it has to be. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I don't have kids. I just got married, uh, Congratulations. a month and a half ago, but, uh, Yay. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people, like you're saying, uh, we know what's healthy for us. We should get enough sleep. We should eat a certain way. We should exercise a little bit. And, and, uh, there's sometimes there's not enough time in the day to accommodate the perfect lifestyle the, yeah. by the book on everything. And so then you have to figure out what, what are your priorities mm. and live by those priorities and be happy with it. You'd have to spread it out. Just like you yeah. talked about spreading out the training. Right. Well, like if you yeah. wanted to go back and let's say you, you got an itch again, I want to be the best powerlifter I possibly can be. Well, now you now now it might be a little bit different because you've gotten the 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 framework in position, but right. it's still going to take away from your business, right? Yeah. Or your family, one of the two yeah. or both, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's going to be a conversation. Okay, am I am I willing to accommodate less business or less money or right. less things getting done in order right. to pursue this goal of mine? So the next time I go back for powerlifting, I've got to sit here and say, all right, well, I've got to understand that. Okay, I've got to be okay with less clients, less money, less time in business because right. I would I would. I don't want to sacrifice any more time with my kids. It's not any different than removing myself from it either. I have to be okay with lifting less weight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to be okay with like, this doesn't define me anymore. I'm going to move on to other things. Right? That's, I feel and like that's, that's a, a really hard thing for a lot of people hard to, to get yeah. over. Yeah. Luckily yeah. for me, yeah. luckily for me, I've never, I've never been, uh, egotistical in that way. Right. I could lift with people and they can lift more than me. And it's never bothered me. I just don't, I don't care. Um, 
you know, lifting in this environment for so long, you know, people will try to beat me on a fucking lap pull down. They don't care what it is. <laughs> They'll try to sneak one and get one over on me wherever I can. You know, I did my numbers on the platform and I started competing when I was like 12 years old. So I, I just, I feel comfortable with those. And if somebody's, you know, wants to squat 500 for reps while I'm squatting 225, it doesn't, luckily you know luckily yeah. it doesn't really it's not like hurting my ego i'm not like you know forcing myself to try to lift what they're lifting and, and i'm really th really thankful for that because uh even lifting this morning you know i was lifting ryan spencer who's 170 pounds he's lifting more weight than me but i'm you know i just i have an understanding of like this is where i'm at i used to be in a different spot right. this is where i'm at now and i'm okay with this this is what i'm doing do you feel like um I feel like sometimes people just, they don't have fulfillment anywhere else other than the gym, right? So yeah. if you're not fulfilled anywhere, then you're just defining yourself by what you can do on the, on the platform or, then yeah, you're going to get pissed off when other people are yeah. beating you in the gym because that's all you've got. Right. So you got to be well-rounded. No, I think it's important to specialize, but I think it's important to have more than one thing that defines you. Sure. You know, that's, yeah. that's, because you only got one thing that defines you, if that, if that thing goes away, you're pretty yeah. i mean like i said like brian carroll talked about in the gift of injury like he was contemplating suicide mm. um mm. because he was so d devastated that he couldn't lift heavy you yeah know? i know so many power lifters like that yeah mm. yeah it's, all it's, they got is their strength and then when it's uh, you know when it's gone i, I guess it's gonna know, go at some point yeah it, it, it happens because you are so obsessed about it you're not paying attention to anything else yeah that's where your focus is yeah i think um but prioritization is something that i've i've learned that has to be really like writing down, okay, what are my goals actually? And in order of importance, mm -hmm. what are my goals? And Support. then I need to make my actions to reflect those. Cause if my actions don't reflect those, then they're not actually my right priorities. Right. right? right. You'll start to feel like if you're making the wrong decisions and they're not in line with your priorities, you're going to start to be unhappy with the way things are turning out in your life. I think. Yeah. You got a couple questions over there, Andrew? I was just curious cause we've started podcasting before this podcast and Lane is on his third monster mm. <laughs> <laughs> so like i think he had a few though before that yeah. really i think he's probably had about four or five today well this gotcha. one's only half empty so well half empty three and a half but yeah um no i just I, I just know that people are gonna be like you know he's a doctor but he's having all this stuff going on like are those monsters okay no one ever said that? he's smart well <laughs> <laughs> well if i look at this i mean you're looking at you know i mean because it says zero everything so right. what the hell's in there? So you got vitamin B's, which vitamin B's not going to hurt you. You just piss it out if you drink too much of it. Mm -hmm. And then, you it know, you've got, some, <laughs> you've got some other stuff like L-carnitine, caffeine, sucralose. I mean. He's only looking stuff. at all the good stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, I mean, we talked about artificial sweeteners earlier, you yeah. know. That's um, why I brought it up again. Yeah. I mean. I, and now, if you have too much caffeine, like there is an LD50 for caffeine. It's mm -hmm. really high. Mm -hmm. You'd have to have a lot of monsters to get there. Mm -hmm. But I mean, too much of anything is a bad thing. But based on what I've seen, the data I've seen, like, is it me? Is it better or as good as me drinking water? Probably not. But I like the taste of it, and I don't mind getting a little caffeine, so I'm alert. Also, so, that's what you're doing for the moment. It's like yeah, uh, I don't sit here and yeah. try to pretend that. Oh, you know, this is like bodybuilders who want to pretend they do everything for optimal health. I mean, this is my my favorite thing is the bodybuilder who has, you know, a you know, some kind of crazy water filtration system because they don't want the fluoride in the water because they think it's yeah. bad for them. But they're cool with doing three grams a test a week. And right, it's like, right, 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 right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, yeah and what's know. in their amino acids and all this other stuff they're taking too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, is it the best thing I could possibly do? Probably not. But is it going to hurt me? I don't I, 
the data doesn't seem to suggest that. Cool. So, and if it was going to hurt me, it would probably hurt me by now. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of times two different camps, right? So maybe the date, like we were saying earlier, the data on average might show that there is no ill effects of whatever's in the monster. And mm-hmm. for some people, actually, maybe it would have a negative effect well, we on them. we talked about that with the with people who have polymorphism caffeine. and right. caffeine. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so for some people, it might. And for some people, it might not. Um, and so I feel like you get... You get the people who are either on the one extreme where they're like, well, you might as well just cut it out of your life completely because it might kill you faster. Mm -hmm. And then you have people on the other side who are like, well, yeah, it maybe it will take off a week of my life, but I enjoy drinking this Diet Coke or this monster. And and, I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. And I'm happy with things are things are like packaged differently, like the a monster. There's going to be some people who are like, oh, it's got, you know, cancer or whatever, promoting mm-hmm. agents or whatever somebody's going to make up about it, right? Or say about it. And maybe they can reference a study. But how different is that than your protein shake that you have? Like, we really do. We just don't know. Like, mm-hmm. some of the ingredients that go into that might be the same ingredients that go into your pre-workout, which we are going to associate with health because it's like, oh, I have that before I exercise. <laughs> so it, it's clearly healthy. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, right? my, okay. that's my ever favorite thing is the... The pro bodybuilders who like to don't have any artificial sweeteners. Yeah. Except for the ones that are in my <laughs> supplement that I'm sponsored by. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. How about the correlation with like uh, caffeine and raising cortisol levels? You probably can speak to that a little yeah. bit better. I think that's probably pretty divergent and probably there's a threshold for that. Yeah. I mean, is ca- can caffeine maybe raise your cortisol levels a little bit because it's stimulating you and it's kind of making you nervous or jittery? It's possible. Um, does that affect acute or chronic? Are you having like yeah. chronic, chronically high cortisol that's going to probably have some effect on your health? Or are you having like an acute reaction to that? And then, you know, most times of the day. Yeah, because training increases cortisol too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. My concern with caffeine would, would mainly just be about sleep. Yeah. You that's, know, that's, are, are, you able to, are you able to get to bed on time? And then the other concern is... Uh, dehydration for me it, it'll it'll dehydrate me if i have if i have too much but that's also because i don't eat carbs mm. yeah. you know i'm on a low carb low carb diet and so i'm not going to be as hydrated well as actually there's 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 research now that has shown that like caffeine is a very mild diuretic yeah. and mm-hmm. like you're actually much more hydrated after a cup of coffee than you are before it yeah so <laughs> because of the amount be, of liquid you that may you not are. be mm-hmm. quite as hydrated as you would get with just pure water right. but you're still more hydrated than you would be by not drinking anything Right. So the amount, I think the amount of liquid that goes into your body is more than the amount that you would pee out extra from the diuretic mm, effect. Mm. Cool. Um, Basically in short, we're saying monsters totally healthy for you. Well, it's, I it, like it. and it's also You're like, be jacked and tan the more you drink. It just yeah. tastes so good. <laughs> if you so think good. about anything that could be potentially bad for you, right. Uh, you know, something, a little bit of a bad thing makes you stronger, right. Uh, mm. Training is actually bad for your body in terms of breaking down your muscle and stuff. It's, uh, it, you have an adaptation to get mm. better and more resilient. Mm-hmm. Training is like a vaccine. Think about it. You, mm. you, when you're taking a vaccine, you're taking a weakened or dead virus, which your body has to respond to mm. that stressor by accommodating for it and, and adjusting. Mm. Right. Training, if you told somebody who didn't know anything about resistance training, or they just knew about what was quote unquote healthy. And you said, I'm going to have you do something that increases your cortisol, increases your inflammatory response, increases your reactive oxygen species, raises your heart rate and raises your blood pressure. What would you say? Is that good for you? No, hell no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's exactly what exercise does. Mm-hmm. But you're getting a controlled dose of a stressor yep. that your body adapts to and then is better able to fight off those stressors in the future. 
just like a vaccine. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you, you exercise and for a period of 24 hours or so, you're immunosuppressed. Yep. So you're at a greater risk for infection. But then in the long term, you actually, your, your immunity goes up. You're actually mm-hmm. more resistant to infection well, because did, you exercise. We have a client once that um, went in to have some blood work. Um, it was almost immediately post a resistance train session and he came back and the yeah. doctors were complaining about his, <laughs> you know, his high levels of inflammatory markers. So, mm. so I, I had syrup, that, yeah, syrupy was really elevated. Yeah. I had, a, I had a, a client My who, C-reactive protein was yeah, like off the That'll be off the charts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I had a client who, um, his mother called me and, and this is, this is, I have great deal respect for the medical profession, for, for MDs and DOs. Except. But sometimes <laughs> um, when they get so focused on not treating a patient as what the individual in their life is and just looking at numbers on a sheet, mm. okay? So McGill talks about this with MRIs. Like they don't know if it's an 80-year-old woman or a 20-year-old athlete that they're looking at the MRI and context matters. So this, this client, I've been working with him for about four years. His name was Connor. And his mom called me and she's like, Connor, they say he's been diagnosed with rhabdomyolysis. So immediately my bullshit detector goes off because mm. it is very difficult. Rhabdo is basically, for those that don't know, uh, when you break down enough muscle tissue, the waste products, if it's such a massive breakdown of muscle tissue, the waste products, your kidney cannot excrete them fast mm-hmm. enough and it causes you to go into renal failure. And normally okay. it's something you can actually see with your eyes a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and also, so... It is very hard for trained people to have rhabdo mm. unless it's somebody who's like, they train powerlifting and all of a sudden they decide to go out and run a marathon, right? Yep. Or they run a marathon and they decide to CrossFit. Like it has to be something that's a completely new stressor that's yeah. off the charts. CrossFit, okay? you see it a lot. I've seen Usually it a what happens, times in some competitors who have, you know, they're on ridiculously low calories and then their your, training uh, is ridiculous. Yeah, usually area that's irritated will make it fucking blow up like crazy. Usually rhabdo happens in people who formerly exercised who mm-hmm. have been, who have been detrained for a long period of time? Who go back in and try to hit it really hard their first session back, yep. and their mm-hmm. body's not accommodated for it, and that happens. So, so but this guy had been training consistently for years, and I'm like, so I started. I talked to. Him, I said, well, can I talk to Connor? And she's like, yeah. He's like, well, what did they? What did they use to diagnose it? Well, his creatine kinase was elevated. Mm-hmm. Well, duh, creatine mm-hmm. kinase gets elevated when you have a workout, mm-hmm. and it was modestly elevated above the normal level, right? Yeah. And I said, you know, are you, are you running a fever? Like, are you having, like, do you feel ill? You know, are you having like any like generalized pain or anything like that? And he said he had some, he had some stomach pain that that's what they were using the diagnosis. He had stomach pain and, um, his creatine kind of was a little bit high. I said, well, did you do like a crazy leg workout or anything different? He's like, no, I just did my normal training. Yeah. Well, I went down the rabbit hole and what I found was he had recently switched to taking a probiotic Mm. and. I was like, dude, you have gas. Mm-hmm. You got gas because yeah, you've got and, different and bacteria. And literally what happened was he farted a few times over the next 24 <laughs> hours and then was like, I feel better and left the ER. And you're like, that's 250 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I mean, that that's, if you just look at numbers on a page and, and, and you, and you right. like I talked about, the, I have a partnership with uh, a company called SteadyMD. Um, uh, that's uh, my friend, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky is part of that. And one of the appeals to that is basically like they, they offer, um, they offer concierge medicine with doctors who yeah, lift. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's like 99 bucks a month. But you got like text access to any doctor who can write you a script, can do anything. But, you know, so many times, how many of you out there, you know this, like your liver enzymes are elevated a little bit or your creatine or your BUN or anything like that. 
and the doctor says, oh my God, your kidneys are failing or, yeah. or your mm-hmm. liver's in trouble or something. Those are all normal reactions to people who lift weights and eat a higher protein diet. It doesn't yeah. make them dangerous, you know? And it's, again, the chicken and the egg argument. People who are in liver failure and kidney failure, 100% have those enzymes elevated. But just because those are elevated does not mean you're in kidney or liver failure. In fact, yeah. usually you're not. So it's, again, there are some really, really good doctors out there. So I don't want to make it sound like this is every single one of them. But some just kind of look at numbers on a sheet and yeah. don't actually take the full patient into account. Well, blood work is kind of like a snapshot in time, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. that could be That could be very, really variable depending on yeah. what they did the day before mm-hmm. or what they've been doing the last couple of weeks. And so we want to use it, obviously, to try to give informed decisions on, you know, like what's happening happening chronically. Um, But if you don't actually have that conversation with a person and like try to figure out if they have any symptoms and then look at the blood work and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense that they're having these symptoms because this is off the charts. You know, you're kind of, I feel like it's almost backwards that way. You're just looking at the numbers and then assuming what they're feeling like. Yep. Cool. I got one more. Uh, Holly and Lane, you guys work together. You live together. You guys are around each other 24-7, basically. How do we not kill each other? Yeah, how do you guys, how do you guys stay happy? How about that? <laughs> um, how do you guys keep each other happy? There you I go. I think I'm going to start with this one. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I always talk first. <laughs> um, so one is knowing yourself and knowing your partner. And we, I think we, we listened to a really good book that helped us a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, it was called uh, Your Brain on Love by Stan Tatkin. Fantastic book. And it, it basically like, when you read this book or listen to this book, you will not only understand your partner better and why they are the way they are, but you understand yourself better. And why. So this is a guy who studies attachment theory with children yeah, and with adults. Babies. And finds that a lot of the ways that you interact with your partner came about because of the way you and your parents interacted. Mm. Um, and like, she's an island. So when she gets stressed, she just like completely retracts into herself and doesn't speak, right? I have a hard she, time speaking anyway. Yeah, she Generally wants to, when she's speak. stressed, she <laughs> wants to be alone. She needs alone time. I'm not that way. Like I'm more of a wave where I, I like I feel better being around people, talking, doing that. Kind of, but very if we feminine had, trait there. <laughs> <laughs> but if we had, well, the other thing too is if you're around somebody, if you're if you're like an island, but you're around somebody who's more of an island than you, you'll become more like a wave because you're adapting to them. So. But understanding from the perspective of most people are not trying to intentionally hurt somebody else when they do. They are just reacting to stressors and stimuli in their life. And so like knowing this information, we kind of looked at, oh shit, well, that's why you do that. And that's why I do that. Mm -hmm. And that's, so now it's like, okay, if she gets in that place, I know sometimes I need to walk out of the room and just give some space. Mm -hmm. And she also knows that sometimes she needs me to come up and just give me a hug. Even though that wouldn't do anything for her, mm. she need, like sometimes I need that. Yeah, right? it's similar to like the the love languages. I'm not sure if the guys listening have yeah. uh, heard of that, but um, yeah, everybody uh, requires different things in their relationship yep. to to have fulfillment, right? So um, yeah, knowing you, the other person that you live with, what what that is for them is yeah. super important. If you just kept doing what you thought was best for you, that could be completely different for the other person. So like in our relationship, I think. Like I'm somebody that um, like acts of service is probably one of the things because I'm, I'm a business entrepreneur. I work, I'm really busy. So something that means a lot for me is, Hey, could you do a a chore? Because I don't want to do the chore. I want to work too. I got stuff to do. So that's what, you know, if if Lane can do that for me, like I'm super happy. And that's like, if he does that for me, I know like he's, He's doing something nice. So I do know? that and I make sure she knows about it. Uh, <laughs> He's like, hey, Holly, so, I just did the dishes. I'm like, thanks, babe. But like for me, and this is what's hard for her, is like um, 
what is it called? Um, affirmation. Affirmation. Words of affirmation. Mm. That's something that's like physical touch. Words of affirmation is important for me. So I, I pers- probably because I was bullied a lot as a kid and told I wasn't worth my whole lot. I really like it when somebody gives me a compliment, mm. which she hates compliments. Like I tell her she's And I'm beautiful. an island, so I'm also really terrible at giving them as well. <laughs> I keep tend to keep my mouth shut most of the time. <laughs> but she's gotten better. And I think the other thing too, like the really important thing that a lot of people miss in a relationship, and I, I learned this also from my, my therapist, is like, uh, and Tom Bilo had a podcast where he, he said this. And I thought it was really, like giving the par- person the keys to the kingdom, which is basically tell them what makes you happy. So many people just don't even do that in a relationship. Yeah. They just either one expect, expect them to understand, yeah. right? Read people your can't mind. Read your a mind. tough conversation too if you've been with somebody for a long time. Yeah. Oh, Not it can easy. be very intimidating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's so just like, okay, like I have to like I get frustrated sometimes because if she, you know, she is very sensitive to her environment. Like even yesterday, she's like, Oh, I'm really depressed today. Yeah, it's cloudy. Because it was cloudy. <laughs> And I'm like, you mean like eight months out of the year for some people? Like, but that's just because I don't understand it. And that doesn't right. happen for me. Like, I have to appreciate why she's feeling that way. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, relationships, you said it, relationships are complicated. And, yeah. But I think the biggest thing is just being upfront with your, like, what, what is a no-go for you? What really bothers you? What really gets on your nerves? So if the person can correct that, that's important. Well, you have to be really careful business-wise. Um, well, just relationship-wise too, but it can happen really easy in business where, you know, maybe you take a little jab at him, but those those jabs, they they add up to a lot. That's yeah. why people throw a jab in the first place. It, it, turns yeah. in, mm-hmm. it turns into so much more. And so rather than like, you know, anybody throwing a jab at anybody, you know, hey, like, you know, you were supposed to do this. I'm upset that it didn't get done because of A, B, and C. Let's work on it together, get it done, and then we can move on to the next thing. It's yeah. like hard to have those conversations, but they're important. But one of the things that she had to tell me was like, I'm a very chatty person. I like to talk. She needs no. like silence when she's working, <laughs> you know? And so I sometimes I just have to be like, okay, I know you want to talk to her about this thing, but shut up, shut up, shut up, you know? And I probably still talk more than she'd like, but... It's yeah. It's yeah. just kind of like like <laughs> anyone else that is around us. Um, my attitude towards Blaine probably comes off as very rude. But like, unless I do that, like Fort Kabir must be like, she is such a bitch sometimes to him. Like, I don't get it. But like, we we know how we work, and I, like we just kind of I'm like, yeah, Blaine, shut up. Put your bloody phone on. Like, put it on your ear. Stop talking out loud on loudspeaker while I'm trying to work <laughs> in the office. Like, okay, leave. So yeah, we, we have a bit of like a mutual respect for, for that. But, um, I think not losing yourself, like when you work together, you wake up together, you're in the same room. Like I've had that in a previous relationship, but we also didn't, our values didn't really align. Like Lane and I, we both have the same kind of goals. We have the same drive. We have the same, um, values. And in a previous relationship where, you know, I thought this is what I wanted. We had some interests were the same, but not all the same. Um, and we just butt heads because well, we were doing really everything together. So. Important for you too was, um, like you really value being like having someone who can accommodate a strong, independent woman who's, you know, looking to do something. There's a lot of men who, and this was the case, like you said, your former boyfriend, he just, he wanted to be your boss. Like he wanted to be the, the head honcho. Yeah, he had no show. interest in me being in his equal when right. I probably was more educated about many things, but that was meant to be his domain, you know, that's his area. So, yeah, I think having someone that's supportive of that has made a, a massive difference in how we, uh, how we roll. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but basically, like, you know, 
one of the sorry, Mark. One more thing the book said that was very interesting. It was like, you know, people want to people. They always say, "Well, I want somebody who's lower maintenance." Or there is no such thing as a low maintenance human being. Another human being is the biggest pain in the ass that you will ever mm-hmm. deal with. Like, in fact, when you take your vows, it should say, "I take you to be my pain in the ass." Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there are some people who are a little bit more low maintenance than others. You just have to decide what is what makes you happy. What is the most important thing for you? And then is that person willing to accommodate those needs and, and, and compromise and meet you halfway? Awesome. I appreciate you guys taking the time to be on the show. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy it. You got, you actually got her to speak. That's a, that's impressive. Yeah. They're both actually islands, by the way. Yeah. So I'm I'm not usually a uh, hell of a car ride, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Could you see how much I was like biting my tongue? Yeah. Let them speak. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you very much, Mark, for, for having us on. Yeah, on. we really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank, Andrew said something earlier. I, I, like, honest to God, actually, before this, I'm going to put you on blast. Okay. Uh, Andres oh, was like, shit. yesterday, Andres <laughs> was like, so what should I, what's Mark like? What should I expect yeah. from Mark? I'm like, you know, because I've heard this, you know, I'm like, a lot of people say negative things about Mark. I have always had very Those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I have always had very positive interactions with Mark. Um, but Mark is very uh, sarcastic, direct, direct. <laughs> you know, I'm like, and some people don't dig that, but I can tell you that he's always treated me very well. Uh, every time I've come here, you guys have always treated me great. And I, every time I do this podcast, I enjoy it very much because I feel like I get to be myself and it's just a really warm, friendly environment. And you guys always take care of us. So awesome. uh, as much as you guys have enjoyed having me, uh, I really enjoy coming here. Great. Thank you so much. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. See you later.